I felt uh, through my own struggles or adversity and, and fate, having a couple tough games or is that if my energy could go into my teammates or even a staff member or something as opposed to the woe is me and I'm going to bury my head here so that everybody could see me not feeling good and then their energy get wasted on me that what what if I if guys know I'm struggling but I come in and I'm asking them hey what a great play you made. like I know you're hung up on but you made a couple great play all of a sudden their shoulders was like what the, the fuck is this guy doing like what it was how was he and and all of a sudden the energy of the room you know we've all been seeing the guy that's so happy he's got a goal the next day he doesn't and it's you know he's bitching at the trainers and he needs this in a stall or needs this just energy just crashes so i i it's not easy to do but i always felt that if i could if i could show how i could navigate through adversity that maybe it would change the way other people thought about their own adversity and how maybe as a group we could work our way out of this as opposed to let me try to tailspin and everybody i mean nobody's right. going to get me out of that besides me so why not save them the time and energy i'll get myself out of this and see if i can't give some energy to, to somebody else that might need it in the room the odds are pretty good it's going to come back to me tenfold that was ryan johnson general manager of the utica comets of the american hockey league and director of player development for the vancouver canucks and you are listening to the up my hockey podcast with jason Pudol. Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Podolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Podolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hey there, and welcome back to the Up My Hockey podcast for episode number 50. I can't believe we're here. We're at 50. It's been a crazy wild ride. Uh, Thank you so much for being along this ride with me. Uh, It's been an experience to go from, you know, somebody who definitely isn't uh, on a microphone or in front of a camera very often to doing this essentially once a week for uh, for over a year now is uh, something that I'm proud of. You know, it's an accomplishment for sure, um, but it's also one that's been rewarding to me. Um, it's something that I've enjoyed much more than I initially anticipated uh, at episode one. And with every guest, uh, kind of my, my passion for this has grown. It, it's such an amazing conduit to amazing people you know like we, you i get to have conversations with either old friends old teammates new new people but everyone has a story and something to offer and and getting into those stories has has been a blast and i always leave charged up after an, after an interview and and this particular conversation kind of checked every single box for me uh I left this conversation, one, I was excited for this conversation, too, and I left it feeling, um, I mean, heartwarming, for lack of a better word. I just felt good, you know, speaking with Ryan Johnson, uh, who hit himself in his own right as a father, as a man, as a teammate, as a human, is just a solid, solid guy, but uh, he was a teammate of mine and my first pro roommate, and 
and uh, and a good friend for 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 a couple of years there with Florida, and then as the hockey world does, it it tears uh, teams apart and friendships apart with uh, with trades and what have you. And um, you know, Ryan and I essentially lost contact. I mean, didn't speak with him for years and years and years and years. And uh, we bumped into each other at uh, the NHL draft back in geez 2019, I think it was now. And it was amazing to see him then after all these years. And then this was kind of a, a follow-up conversation um, and a long overdue conversation. Uh, and and it was just awesome, you know, to reminisce, one, to get dig into who Ryan Johnson is and, and what he's doing today and what he represents was amazing. And uh, and even Ryan's path, right, is is, is another checkmark box for me because now he's director of player development for the Vancouver Canucks. He is responsible for growing uh, the prospects, the Canuck prospects, to get them to become professionals and get them to take the step uh, to be Vancouver Canucks. And that's his job. And he's also the GM of the Utica Comets, which is the uh, AHL affiliate for the Vancouver Canucks. So he's a behind-the-scenes guy now who gets it um, from a player's perspective. And... uh, as a as a young man growing up, he was somebody that was continually trying to find ways to improve and to craft, you know, the perfect pregame routine and and to build this relentless approach to uh, to being an NHLer. Uh, and he earned every single one of the 700 games that he got. So he he places you know those intangibles that I'd like to talk about so much, like character and professionalism, and um, you know. <laughs> Being a good human, being a good teammate, you know, he he wants his players to exude those types of things uh, because he knows as 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 well as I do, and as many of you listening, that that will make you a better uh, team. It's going to make you a, a more winning organization, and it's going to make you a better player and a more valued player with a longer career um, if you can capitalize on those traits. So. This is a great conversation, uh, a, per, a one that was, uh, I mean, personally really fulfilling. RJ, if you ever listen to this, you know what I think. You're an awesome man, uh, good human, and I really enjoyed the two hours. I mean, it was crazy. I talked to my dad after the interview, and he's like, how long did you talk to him for? I was like, two hours. He's like, two hours? You talked to somebody for two hours? You know, my, my old man's kind of old school and not too, too much of a conversationalist, and that just absolutely boggled his mind. And for me, it was like, my God, I think we could have gone on for, you know, hours and hours more there's just so much to talk about he's so easy to talk to so i hope i hope listening today um it it's it you get that experience too like you feel a part of the conversation that it it seemed easy to me it definitely wasn't forced and uh and lots of good stuff in here so uh you have the pleasure here of listening to ryan johnson a 700 game nhler um an awesome, awesome dude, uh, current general manager of the Utica Comets, current director of player development for the uh, Vancouver Canucks. And, uh, and yeah, there's lots in here. So without further ado, let's bring you Mr. Ryan Johnson. All right, here we are for episode 50. Um, Big smile on my face. RJ was laughing at me because of this big duster I have right now. Um, but we are speaking with my first ever professional roommate and a buddy of mine from, gosh, man, what is it now? 25 years ago, almost, if not more. Um, crazy. Camp for the first time. It is insane. But um, yeah, I, I should give you a little little 
more professional introduction. He's the director of uh, player development for the Vancouver Canucks, a 700-game NHLer, um, and the first man who ever taught me how to make sautéed mushrooms, uh, <laughs> Ryan Johnson. Welcome to the program, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me. That's that's quite the notation I get on the, uh, that, That's impressive. Impressive. Yeah. Well, you know what, man? My memory, like I'm, I'm not known for my memory. I got to be honest. Like I, I don't know what it is with, with whether it was just the career or the sport in general, but like how many times I was traded, whatever the case may be. Like there's so much stuff that I know that I barely remember. But like I remember in that kitchen in Greensboro, North Carolina, you bringing out yeah. the white wine and you had the garlic going, and like we were, <laughs> we were trying to figure out how to be chefs. And those to this day, I still, I still rank those up there as some of the best mushrooms I had. So I, I do remember that partner. Well, and <laughs> and I got, I remember the, the to the minute that you were traded, you know, sitting in our living room there, and you get you get dealt to Toronto, and you weren't you weren't going, you know, that was you were leaving the American League and going to play in Toronto and what a city. And I remember being. Uh, so happy for you and excited and sad at the same time. I was losing my roommate, but also uh, knew that the opportunity uh, ahead of you was, was yeah. pretty crazy. So it was cool. It's a good time. That's man. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that we got there already. But I mean, since you since you touched on it, you I mean, for the backstory, if this is somebody's first episode or haven't really heard, I mean, Ryan and I were uh, getting ready for a game in, in the AHL uh, that night and uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, which, you know, I mean, Hey, it was a hockey city and it was a pro city and it was, it is what it was. But I mean, that was a hell of a long way away from the NHL when we were there. I mean, it just didn't feel the same, right? It wasn't a hockey town and we were in bed and I got the phone call and yeah, in two and a half hours I was gone and Ryan didn't have a roommate anymore. And, uh, you know, I had to leave half my stuff there and, and Ryan was amazing and helped me get some stuff around. But like, what was that? Like, I mean, obviously I'm in my own head during that whole time, right? Like yeah. my life just goes upside down. Um, a little different impact on you, but like, what was that experience like for you going from having a roommate, you know, first year pro to not having a roommate and doing your thing? Like, did, did it have any type of a kind of, I don't know, oh, impact sure. on you? Yeah. And I think, and I think even now you reflect back on it. Like I look at players now, uh, I often find their first year pros, their toughest, the, the, the ability to adapt to the pro life of living on your own, uh, whether people come from uh, college or, or uh, junior where you're a billet type situation, or you're coming from Europe or whoever that, that first year is like a wow moment of, wow, this is, you know, there's a lot on my plate besides, and now you got to be a pro and, and develop and play in the American league and men are coming after you. And, and it's a lot at one, at one time. So, I mean, I remember that moment vividly, you know, the big smile on your face, you're going to Toronto, we're in Greensboro. And like you said, it, it was like the call that, you know, you were going to the moon and I was staying on earth and I was, it was like, Hey, whatever I can do it help you here on earth, but I'm going to watch you go to the moon and enjoy, you know, those, yeah. the, your first initial games. I remember going anywhere and everywhere in Greensboro to try to, to, to be able to watch you and was proud. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and it, it was a lesson for me of how, you know, quickly things change in this sport and you can be here today and gone tomorrow. And, and it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, shortly thereafter, I had my own moment of, of like that the first time I was traded, you know, yeah. from Florida. So crazy, but it, it, it makes you, you know, I, I appreciated our time together and, and not just that year, but also us coming in and being drafted in the same year. And, and, uh, 
And like I said, I, I could sit and look at your face. I haven't seen you in a long time, but I feel like we could sit in the living room and, uh, in Greensboro and have a beer right now. And, oh, sure. It'd be like nothing changed. So. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. You mean you make some great points there, I mean, already. I knew this conversation was going to be awesome uh, just because we have so much in common on a lot of levels and then so much not in common on a levels too, yeah. too right? I mean, like that yeah. first year pro, when that trade happened, I'd already played 19 games and I'd been up twice i think so i just got sent down you hadn't played an nhl game yet right nope. so um kind of different ends i looked at uh, i had a little chuckle actually at your first year pro there you're minus 25 that year oh yeah <laughs> well w- welcome uh, i right. mean and it, and it and i think you know the I, I i still you talk about memory like i can't remember things from last week but i can remember line mates I remember who you played with. I remember, you know, the taste that you got in the NHL, but I felt when you were traded, it was like, it was a different time of you going up where, where, uh, you know, Toronto really, it was just like, like I felt like that was your, your time. And, and uh, in my regard, uh, you know, it was, I was where I needed to be. Uh, my maturity, my growth as a player still had, had a long ways to go. And I knew that and, and my process was going to be, uh, longer, but it, it was, uh, like I said, it, it, you know, I've always been like that. I was like that as a player, I, I do a lot of observing and, and taking in information or watching people. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I was proud. I was like, man, what a, what a, cool. what a great opportunity for, for Podsy. So you, you said something really interesting there, which is you knew that you weren't ready and you were in your right place. You mean doing what you're doing now, you know, I'll push back on you a little bit. Like, I mean, do you think that that's an honest assessment? Just being that twenty-year-old guy. Like, did you really think you were in the right place? Did you have that awareness at that time to realize that? Because I know a lot of guys don't, right? A lot of guys oh. are in that first-year pro, and they're like, yeah. "I'm not supposed to be here. I want to be somewhere else," right? Yeah, and I, and I give credit to uh, even to the Panther organization at the time. I mean, I think I had almost scored twenty goals that year. Uh, I, I had made big stride. I remember playing on the line with uh, Dave Nemirovsky and Peter Worrell, and we had a lot of success. And you could very easily get caught up in the like, all right, now is my time. And I remember talking with Chuck Fletcher of him saying, look, we're not going to call you up this year. You're not going to get an opportunity. I think it was at about the 55 game mark. He said, you're, you're just you're going right where you need to be, so let's take the weight off your shoulders. You're not getting called up. We could lose 10 bodies. You are staying right where you are, and I remember going, oh, "That's great!" Like I needed to hear that because right. I would—I did not feel like I was knocking on the door, and that my time was—I felt like if I was going to do it right and for a long time, I didn't—I didn't want a little. And I talked to young players about this now. I say, like, you can call up and play two games and come back, and then you go up and play three games and come back, and you want to get called up and you want to never come back. And that should be your approach as a young player. And so um, when, when I finished that year and I, I felt like when Chuck Fletcher told me that, I felt like I can just focus on what I need to do for the next 20 games. I went up as a black ace in the playoffs, got a great experience there. And then I came back the following year really like, all right, now I got to kick the door down and, and evolve my game, add things to my game. And uh, I felt you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a sprint for me. It was going to be a marathon. And when I went, I never wanted to come back. And, and it, that's kind of the way it played out, you know? Uh, that's awesome. I mean, you're an old soul, man. I mean, that was great to have that perspective because it definitely helps. And like you said, I mean, there's a big piece of that puzzle is, is uh, Chuck Fletcher being transparent enough and honest enough to tell you what's going on. 
Uh, 100%. And that took yeah. the weight of the, and even teammates or coaches are saying, Hey, you keep going. You're going to get your chance. You're going to go up. You're going to, and that starts playing in your head. And then your focus goes off of your day-to-day uh, routine, getting better, focusing on practice games, being the best, the best player, not on Saturday night, but Monday morning at practice. And that was kind of my focus. And it took that Chuck took all that noise off the table and I could just go, okay, I'm going to get harder in the gym, harder in practice and, and focus. Everything is going to be so finite to me in my approach in the next 20 games that then I'll build off of that next year and try to be one step closer, you know? Yeah. So. That's uh, I love that. Like, not worried about Saturday night, worried about Monday morning. I think that's a, that's a piece of the puzzle that uh, I know. I, I'm not sure if I ever really embrace that, to be honest, like at, at any point, like I, I would, I didn't dislike practice by any means. I love being on the ice, but I just loved scoring goals in the games. Like that's what, yep. I mean, my whole thing was like, how do I, how do I produce? Like, how do I, how do I do this? And, and to me, it didn't necessarily equate to that Monday morning practice of how do I get better for that game? And I wish I had a little bit more of that in me. Do you think that was just a, more of a natural thing for you to, to be wired that way? Or did you learn that? Yeah. From someone? No. And I think my, I think my brother, I think my, I think that was instilled in me for my, my family. It was, that was an approach. And, and I will say to your comment is that, it almost worked reverse to me is that I, I ended up becoming such a good practice player. And I think people that played with me might say that, that, that things that I could do in a practice of uh, on a day-to-day basis is that I think I really struggled at times with now duplicating that into a game where all of a sudden you have a fans on top, you get the emotions of a game, everything is changing it. And I think, and I, I still don't have the answer of why, but it was the poise of the little things, the little moments of, or holding on to the puck an extra second that in a game, you may be overwhelmed you a little bit. And then you get Monday morning and you're like, you make the same play over and over. I, so I, I think that can almost work <laughs> right, the other right. way. To your point, you yeah. could you could get through a week of practice and, and you would work. And it, but when the lights went on, I mean, that was your time. And, and, and so I, I would say that, maybe there, there, there's a balance there. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I hear you. One of the, one of the things that we haven't talked too much about on this program before, but um, again, I think it's more of a mindset thing. And that's when I, I think I, in junior, and I'll just speak for myself. Like I, I think practice, I remember like being the last one off the ice, me and Dave Lomanowitz, like all the time, right? Like I just love being there. We were working on things. We don't even know when we were working on things. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was yeah. just like passion, love of the game. And then when you get in to be a pro and then it becomes, you know, it becomes a grind. It does AHL level for sure. NHL level too, like with the travel and you're trying, you get to a point where you're, at least I did, like you're getting through practice. You know what I mean? And I wasn't really thinking about how in the heck do I get better at the end of the day? Like I kind of felt like I was at a level. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm here. This is my level. and, And I'm just sort of like status quo. Whereas now in what I do now and in, has, in having conversations and talking to guys like you and and researching some of these guys like guys like Sidney Crosby continually are like they're consciously trying to get better you know I mean they're consciously yes. trying to find ways to improve their game like I love that now and that fires me up because it just makes so much more sense um did you were you that guy that was in constant evolution did you did you feel like throughout your career I, I felt like I was and I think uh one thing that I hugely value of young players is is almost People can talk about, uh, you know, skating, hockey sense, skill, da da da. One, one huge value when I look at young players is their their ability to self 
evaluate themselves on a daily basis. So when you can, you can start to look at yourself as a player and watch tape and watch video and, and really be able to have a realistic view on where your game's at, uh, shift to shift. Think, and, and sometimes we're often, you're harder on yourself. You, you, could, you could go to bed that night and be, you know what, I was garbage tonight. But you can go back and watch tape next day and be, you know what, I did some really good things. The, the, the answer that I hate the most when speaking to young players is, you know, how was your game tonight? And they go, well, yeah, you know, I was good. You know, I was good. And, I, and to me, that's, that's, a, that's a big red flag is, is mm -hmm. you, you, to, when you have the ability to, and I think this speaks to you in a, in a, a long-winded uh, answer, is, is when you can really self-evaluate yourself on, on a finite level and on a big level, you can always find ways to get better. And even if, you know, I talk to high end skilled guys or people, I, I talk to, you know, and just casually say, like, how many, how many faceoffs did you, did you uh, work on today? Well, I'm a right winger. Well, why wouldn't you want to be a ringer in the faceoff? The, the last minute of a game, uh, you're down a goal, you're up a goal. If it's on the right side, right hand side. Like, that should be your, well, I never thought of it. Well, why wouldn't you? That's an extra two or three minutes out of a game. You might play 18 minutes now instead of 15 minutes because, you, you might be the guy on the on the on a penalty kill. You don't see yourself as that, but we need a big draw on the right hand side. That could be you. So it, it's constantly. I think for my process, and and especially when I finally figured out realistically, even my second year in the AHL, I was over a point a game, and you know having the offensive success and to where I felt I needed to be. Realistically, I was looking at myself in the mirror, going, "You're going to have to find a way to be a bottom six player in the NHL, or it's not going to happen to you." And so as I'm producing all this offensively and being dependent on that, in my mind, I was thinking, I need to be the best penalty killer on the ice tonight. I need to win every faceoff, and I'm going to have to block shots and, and add those details to my game. Or I could be sitting here in, in four years having 80, 90 points in the American League, but that's all I am. You know? and, and so I think that's where I was able to get ahead of it to say this is how I'm actually going to get there when I do and, and stay there, uh, which was, I think people battle with when they say, well, I had 60, right. 70 points and it's like, okay, but where are you going to fit in at the next level? Like, uh, finding your identity as a player is huge and, and really knowing and trying to, to identify within your organization or outside your organization, where could you fit into a team as opposed to just being a guy that people go, well, good player. You know, how were you tonight? Yeah. That was good. You don't want to be good. You, you, you want to be really, really, you want to be excellent at certain parts of a game. And then all of a sudden you create an identity and you start finding your way. Wow, man. That's so, there's so much that I'm just writing notes like that. I, that I want to unpack on that because one, you know, I mean, first of all, applause to you for being 21 years old in the American league and being a point of game guy and being like, no, you know, I gotta, I gotta be this guy for the, where I want to go. I'm going to have to be this guy like that. Talk about the talk about the skill of of self awareness there. Like you you had it right in spades, big time. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fly my own flag here for a second because like we haven't talked about much about what I do now, but now I'm working with either teams or players, you know, and helping them get better. I yep. always include self assessment stuff. Always, 
always. Cause like some guys, like you said, are too hard on themselves and they need to lighten up, right? They need yeah. to find the positive and it's the mindset thing. Some guys are way too easy on themselves. Like you need to find out what, from a player perspective, even from like a character perspective, right? Like, where are you short? Like you need some help in preparation, you need some help Absolutely. in time management. You need some help, like whatever these things are. Like if you got the blinders on, man, and you want to be a pro, you're not doing yourself any favors, right? So the earlier these guys develop that, I think there's a huge key. So I thank you for bringing that up. That's a, that's a big one for me too. Um, but I want to talk about a little bit about the the uh, adaptability is the word that I wrote down there when you were talking about, you know, being an offensive guy. Now you're trying to create ways to have the coach be able to put you on the ice, right? Is essentially yep. what you're doing. Um, how key do you think that is just in general? And I'm talking about like, when do you, when should a guy, if you're going to be really proactive, start thinking about that? Is that like at the junior level? Is that like pro level or like, when do you think you should be doing it? I think it's never too early. I mean, to, to start thinking of, of uh, sit, situate, you, sometimes we sit down and watch a hockey game. We, you're just watching hockey, moving parts and good game, you know, uh, uh, lots of offense, great. But sometimes you, you've got to break it down situationally and, and, and look at where guys are finding their minutes. Why are they valuable in certain situations? And then uh, looking at your own game and am, am I a 200-foot player? Can I play at all minute? Can I play... Yes, uh, because for, for every guy that is just a high-skill power play player, there's, there's hundreds of those at every other level, you know, and, and then you get thrown into the next pool. And as you slowly, it gets watered down to where now maybe you're not as high-end skill as you thought you were because now, now you're in the big pool. So yeah. now where do you fall? You're still No, but you should never, ever steer yourself away from being the skill. And, you know, there's, there's so much value now in the NHL is, you know, you have a first line and almost two second lines and a third line. Like you, the, the way of the game has, has changed so much, but so um, I, I don't think it's ever too early to start adding as much as a guy works on, you know, his hands and small area things you can work on, um, you can work on face-offs. You can work at uh, every every power. Everybody can't be a power play. Paying attention to penalty killing angles. Uh, you know, play below the dots. It's 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 never too early to to look at where the game is going and and how you may fit in it. And whether you're 16, 18, 21, 20, you know, it's it's it's. I don't think it's ever too early to to think about being a full-rounded player as opposed to just this is I'm, I'm a one trick pony because yeah. for every one trick pony, there's as you start going up the le there's there's a lot of those, you know. Uh, yeah, and th that's where it gets dangerous. Well, and I and I think for me, from like just a human personality standpoint, and that's when I start talking with some of my players too about whether you just play hockey, as I call it, or whether you're a hockey player, because when you're just playing hockey, a lot of these guys I find, and you may even see it at the pro level there at what you're doing now, but they. <laughs> they like hockey on their terms, right? For like sure. they want to be a power play guy, right? They want to be the one-timer guy off the side. They really enjoy that. But when you ask them, you know, to play high guy and to make sure you're on the defensive side of the puck and to finish their checks, and that's the way you're going to get on the ice, they don't like that very much, uh -huh. you know? And yeah. so like, to me, it's like, it's interesting because when you want to be a hockey player, you definitely need to be prepared to do things that maybe you're not either really enjoy doing 
or maybe you're not good at doing in order to be able to play the game that you love and get paid for it. You know what I mean? And yeah. then maybe you evolve into that other player that you see yourself as, but you have to be prepared to, uh, you know, do, do some little bit more dirty work. Do you see that that, that, that does eliminate some players from the game? who are just not willing to go there. Yeah. Or, or I think it's, it's almost stubborn that they're not willing to do the things to get their foot in the door. And sometimes I see it all the time is, is a guy that gets his foot in the doors. He scored 20 goals in Bantam, 20 goals in Midget, 20 goals in Junior, 20 goals in the American League, and 20 goals in the NHL. Why? Because he plays the game the right way. He commits to the details that all over it. And they just, they just find a way because they play in the middle of the ice. They go to the front of the net. They just find a way to score 20 goals every year. And, and those, those are the guys that find a way. It's the guys that go, well, you know what? I, I don't really feel I need to do the things to get my foot in the door. And I, I'll go right up and be a top six player when I'm ready. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're year three, they're year four, they're year five. And, and somebody else has come up and said, you know what? No, no, no. I'll, I'll be a matchup guy. I'll be, I'll, I'll be a physical four check. Even though it's not naturally to me, not something I've had to do, I will do it, but it'll get my foot in the door where now maybe I start on the fourth line. You see guys that uh, over time have, have started and they just slowly work themselves up. And work. So it doesn't mean that you can't be that player at that level. You're mm -hmm. just going to have to, yeah, you have to add more parts to the game. You have to be able to give a coach the, the, the necessity to find you minutes to get you on the ice. And then it, it opens the door to allow you to show that side of you. But I mean, very seldom. And there are, uh, and they're often those high picks. They come in and they hit the ground running and they go. And, and But to everyone else, it, you've got to create an identity, find a niche, get your foot in the door. And then it doesn't say to you, well, you're a fourth line player and that's all you are for the rest. But it, it gets you in the door and allows you the opportunity to show what you are as, a, as, right. a, as not just a player, but even as a person and, and, yeah. uh, and a teammate. And, and those guys often find their way in and, and uh, work their way up. You, uh, I mean, you mentioned, right? I mean, it is a little bit, I guess, more prevalent now just with the way the salary cap is and, you know, everything else that you need young players to fill spots in your lineup. Like you essentially have to, if you yep. want to be a successful organization right now. Um, so there are a few more players that step right in and play, but we're still talking about like, what RJ, like, you know, 10 out of the best 18 year olds in the world or 19 year olds in the world that will go up. And that's probably even high that will step right into a top six role, right? Like we're talking like Very creme rare. de la creme de la creme, yeah. right? You know what I mean? So yeah. for the majority of people listening here, like you're not that player, you know what I mean? And not to be negative, but that's just the truth, right? So yeah. like, if that's a scenario, you gotta, there's going to be a, a there's going to be a road, there's going to be an evolution, there's going to be a process for you to earn the trust, which I think is maybe one of the words you're looking for there when you're talking about a coach giving you minutes, like coach got to trust you. Yeah, right. Coach has got to yeah. want to put you on the ice and think that you're going to be, uh, you know, an attribute to the team out there, whatever situation he puts in. And, and a lot of times that's not just, you know, being the one timer in the power play. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what, it, it comes back, you can talk about this about an eight year old, or a 25 year old, it's really hard and find anybody, whether it's sport, business, anything, it's hard to work at something you're not very good at. Like you, you talk about messing around at the end of practice. Well, uh, I watch guys at the American level, even at the NHL level, well, what, you know, practice breaks. What do they do? They line up pucks in the middle of the ice and they take one timers for 15 minutes. Uh, I asked the guy, tell me the last time you took a one timer in a hockey game that, that it, you know, they I don't know, but it's fun to work at because you just bomb away top shit, right? 
but when when you could be grabbing a coach or in, and working on your your mobility below the dots, your puck protection, your your angles to the net, now, stuff that you would actually use the next night. But we sit there and oh, we're just going to bomb away. And th- and to me, that is the biggest, you know. But you're working on something that is either just fun, or yeah. you're working on something that you're good at. Well, guys, it's hard for guys, even at this level, to work at something that they're not very good at. But that ends up being the difference maker of of sometimes getting there or not. Yeah, you know? well, isn't that a great message? For sure. You got to be prepared to to look bad to be good. That's one of the things I talk with my peewees and Adams about, right? Like that, of course, we want to, I mean, we want to be strength builders. You know, there's things that you do well and you probably feel good yeah. about and it's good for self-esteem and, and uh, you know, it maybe gets you recognized. So, of course, like we do want to work on those things, but... We do want to be able, brave enough, let's call it courageous enough, yeah. to look on the other side of that coin and see, hey, you know what, where are my dark spots here? You know, and where are the things that I well, don't like doing? It's funny that one of the biggest messages at development camp uh, in Vancouver, and you've got first round pick, you got picks, draft picks from that year, the prior year, some guys three years at, you got general managers, scouts, in the, and, and, and we get in and you know, break them down into you know, small areas of the game. We don't run two-on-ones up and down the ice. You look flat, great, three-on-twos. Like, that's not our time. But the first message I have to give them is, I need you to fail this week. And they they are sitting there going, well, I'm being evaluated. Like, there's my GM is in the curve. Like, I can't fail. Like, what do you mean? I said, well, your evaluation process already happened. You've been drafted here. We see part parts of you that we want you to be Canucks. And now I need you to clean the slate and if you're doing what we're asking you to do correctly, there's a good chance you're going to fall or there's a good chance you, you might lose the puck the first five times you do it. But then this is we're trying to break you down and give you some structure and some things that truly are going to help you over the next few months of the offseason become a better player and a better person. So I need you to trust me that when you fail and, and we're doing a small skating move up the ice and you lose your footing and you go down, that you're not being you're not being thrown to the wolves and like well he'll never play it, yeah. it's a part of our but it's it's again uh, allowing guys to fail understanding what now what we're going to do moving forward where that same movement or that same drill or same something something is they're going to perfect and it'll end up being in games that they use and use and use um, as opposed to again we can we can run up and down the ice flow drills and do these things that sure you feel good but how did you get better you yeah. really didn't. Yeah. Just going to take a short break of this uh, amazing interview with Ryan Johnson, my old roomie, uh, to say thanks because there have been reviews coming in. I'm super proud uh, of the reviews and from you guys, you know, taking the time to one listen and to share your experience. And I promised that I'd be reading some of them out. So, uh, special thanks to Cups of Carabelli. Uh, from the U.S., um, five stars, says, excellent podcast for all members of the hockey community. The insights into what it takes to become better, attitude, and the hard work. These interviews open a window into topics that outsiders rarely see. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Cups of Carabelli, for taking the time to uh, write that and to tune into the show. Um, love that you're sharing your experience. Uh, another one from Sweden. I mean, I just love the, you know, this internet. It just goes everywhere. Um 
so funny, you know, getting getting people tuning in from Sweden and, and Acres Hockey in Sweden says five stars, enjoyable pod format and interview style. Jason brings considerable value, insight and an outstanding lineup of guests for those of us that live and love hockey. Excited to follow this show's progress. Keep it up. So thank you, Acres Hockey. Um, thank you so much, for everyone who's listening, who's choosing to uh, who's choosing to review and to share and to like subscribe, all those great things. Uh, keep those reviews coming, please. It totally helps the show. Um, still running five-star questions. If you do have a question, please do ask uh, in the iTunes format. Uh, leave a five-star review and ask a question. You'll get my opinion on whatever it is you want to get my opinion on. So uh, once again, thanks. Grateful for your time and your support. And we'll get back to the episode with Ryan Johnson, Director of Player Personnel for the Vancouver Canucks. No, man, like that's uh, like fail forward, I think is a term that you know, I've heard used and I've used myself like y- you want to fail trying to get better. But you know what? Like you you just nailed it, though, because that's much easier said than done. Like you need a culture around that, that people believe what you're saying, because that's really hard to believe. Right. As a 19 year old kid coming in, like it's OK if I fall, like all my peers are right here. All these guys are in the stands. Yeah, I don't want to fall. It doesn't feel good. It yeah. makes me look bad. But if you do create that culture of trust and of safety and that this is actually what this team's all about, this is what this organization does, and this is what makes us different, um, my gosh. I mean, I've seen that happen in real time, and it's a, it's a really awesome place to develop for sure. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's why the, the trust out of the gates, out of that camp for these new players and the relationships you build, it's, it's, not, it's not overnight. It doesn't happen instantaneously, but the investment when – when it's a certain player down the road, you're watching a game and a certain something that happens or, or I always find, you know, you're there when I'm con- uh, having a conversation with a player and, and he is able to now tell me what the, the little thing he saw, the thing he did wrong that we've been talking about. And I say, hey, now you're starting to, now it's here. I don't yeah. even have to bring it to you. Now you're bringing it to me. And then the, the trust and those relationships and, and things start to, to change very quickly within you know them understanding that that you're you're giving them the guidance uh, and and the information uh, to to finally try to figure out themselves. Again, we come back to now self evaluation. Yeah. Where on a nightly bait, man, I had the puck low. I got rid of it too fast. Could have held it. Got off the wall. Cut back. Gave myself time and space and made the right play. I threw it blindly, but yeah. You know, now and then I'm like, there you go. Now it's starting to happen to you already in your own brain without me even telling you. So there's, but there's a long, but there is a long, sometimes, sometimes it happens pretty quick, but sometimes there's a buildup to go, ah, now I know why, why we did this in development and why we were talking about these things. Right. No, man, I love it because I mean, one of the things I say is like curiosity can lead to intention, right? So when we do get curious about our game and our development and start watching hockey, not from being a fan, but being a, you know, a connoisseur of it. Yeah, we can next. We can show up at practice, or we can show up at a game. We can show up wherever with some, an intention on what you're just talking about, on how to do something different, or what it is you're trying to accomplish. Like, I can't tell you how many times I just showed up at practice and waited for the drills to happen. You know, and then you do the drills, and then you go home. Yeah, right. Yeah, the guys that show up with an intention, and that's what I'm talking with my guys now. Like, what are you doing today for you that's going to get you better? Right. Yeah. Because the drills are going to be there for everybody. They're not they're not perfect drills for everybody. Right. But there's something that you can do within that scheme, within that ecosystem that's going to apply to you and your personal development. But that's on you as a player. Yeah. You know I mean, it's yeah. not necessarily on Ryan Johnson. You can't tell 45 guys exactly what they need to do every day when they go out there. But they got to be curious enough to figure that out for themselves. Correct. Yeah. And that's what I, I, I ask guys, especially, 
in their transition or I speak to them about it, whether it's junior or college. And, 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 and then when they take the step into the pro and my first kind of question to them is tell me, you know, what is your professionalism? Where, what is your level today? Where are you at? Like, is your professional, like we, we talk a lot about that in our culture, about how much, how much can you be a professional today? And how can you approach today with, with a, like you said, an intention with a, with a routine of, Am, am I going to show up at the rink? I've got an 845 meeting. Am I coming in at 835? I'm going to throw my stuff on, get in there, kind of go through things. And, and that's what I talk about the Monday morning. Like how much better can you get on Monday morning and build on that throughout a week as opposed to, and I've challenged guys. I, I say, I've, I watched you all week in practice. You were garbage. And Thursday, you kind of started to, and then you're ready, you thought you are ready to go Friday. And I said, well, how, how much better could you have been Friday night if, and if Monday you had, you had a focus you had a routine and something that like that's where you're getting better not friday night when the lights turn on and and that's hard for guys to really grasp and understand but when they do they start saying hey monday i'm going to stay for just 10 minutes after i'm going to work on puck protection on my hips i'm coming out of turns my footwork my uh, all that's in and then tomorrow i'm going to work on this and thursday i'm going to work on that it all of a sudden it, you see the 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 progression in the game becomes he's becoming more of, uh, of a professional hockey player because his his habits and his routine you can see it start to go okay i i really want to get out of here and yeah. now this is what i'm going to have to do to get there and and it's like when the, when the light bulb goes on you you can see it it's a lot of people say well i could see you know he played great friday i said well no i saw him on tuesday in practice and he was dynamite and it was leading up to this, you know, which is, yeah. which did not a lot of, I don't think a lot of players think about. And, and I try to instill that in them right out the gates is how much professional are you going to be this week? That's amazing. You, I like, so let, let, let's unpack that. So if, if every player, imagine this, like how much easier your job would be if starting in, you know, major midget or even Bantam where players started to like really self-assess on that, right? Like how, how am yeah. I going to get better? How am I going to arrive where I want to? And if professionalism is a key indicator for how they self-assess, um, for me right now and who I'm working with, that would be a bit broad. If you were to break professionalism into, let's say, components, like what would what would be the areas that they would be self-assessing on within that box called professionalism? Like what would they be focusing on that day to be able to give themselves a score? Well, I think you you have to have a routine. You have to have a plan. If you don't, if you have a, if you don't have a plan, you're hoping. You know, you're hoping to get, you're hoping something good. When you have a plan, usually think then you can work through the day. And, it, and even if it's from from the time you wake up at eight to the time you walk out of the arena at one o'clock, what is your plan? It, you know, what what are you going to focus on off ice? What is your nutrition going to look like getting into practice? Like I said, you could wake up at 8.15, roll in 8.35, meeting 8.45. Well, I mean, it sounds cliche, but what have you put in your body? What have you done to really start your day the right way and get yourself yeah. ready. What What is your, are you, are you going to head into the gym, especially early in the week? Maybe you've got the week, like what are you going to do off ice to, to make little improvements? Now we're finding, you know, in the game where it used to be your off season, you boom, 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 you get, and then in season, you just kind of, well, now in season, you can keep progressing. You can get to the end of the season and you're stronger than you were uh, May 1st than you were September 1st. Like that's just the reality of it when, mm -hmm. when it's approached the right way. Uh, looking at not just daily blocks, but the week block. What am I gonna do? What can I do pre-practice? What can I do post-practice? Professionalism for me, a huge part, especially your first year pro is you have to watch film on yourself. 
we challenge our guys. We have we have iPads sitting in our video room. Games are loaded. Your shifts are loaded. We take the legwork out of it. You used to have to go, you know, you're throwing a VHS and you're, gosh, <laughs> I got to fight. Now we have everything sitting and waiting for you. So if you want to be in there at 730 in the morning in watching your shifts, again, you have access to our coaches, to to anybody to sit and, and, and really look at your game. You, you have to watch your game. It helps you with your time and space play. It helps you with so many parts of your game when you can watch yourself and watch yourself and watch yourself. Uh, that's a huge part of professionalism to me is putting in the time to watch yourself, learn from certain moments, certain plays. And then, like I said, what you do, are you going through drills or are you getting something out of the drill? Are you, are you, by pushing yourself, you're pushing your team. By, by being more professional, you hold a standard for the people around you. When the people around you are pushing, pushing more, you're getting pushed more. You're becoming better. And that's a huge part, part of our culture here is making sure our practice level is, is through the roof so that everybody right. is improving and everybody wins by that. And, and uh, so I, I, the professionalism, it, it, I mean, I could go on and on. It, and it's it, it truly, in my mind, if you want to play in the NHL, it never shuts off because there's 700 plus guys that get to do it. There's a reason they get to do it. You can't turn it on and off, and it and sometimes it does. You said to it, it the AHL gets a grind, and sometimes the AHL spits guys out. Uh, it chews them up and spits them out because they're not willing to say, "This is what I do now." It's twenty four seven, and and I'm all in on this. You, you can't you can't dip your toe in the water when it comes to pro hockey. There's too many guys that want to figure out that'll sacrifice that'll that'll find a way to do it. And you don't, you don't get there by being lucky or hoping. I know that. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, yeah. What a big word, professionalism. I think that was, I remember our time, that was really what we were trying to figure out. And I think that there is, um, there's a lot more tools, as you've already mentioned, I think, to the players now. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. Which think, yeah. Which I think is great. I mean, that is great. Do you think that leads to less accountability or more accountability or it, could you say neither? What I mean by that is, right, like I think with us, we didn't have skills coaches. We had, you know, there was no one yeah. talking to us. Essentially, we were out there and like we either had to talk to somebody or we had to find our routine or figure out what it took. You I mean, there was a role model around or there wasn't. Now, so the accountability was on us, I guess. It was really on us. And and we could point the sure. fingers at ourselves and say, you know what, I, I did it or I didn't do it. Now with all these things around, and, and I think the modern day athlete has kind of been lack of a better word, handheld the entire journey now, yeah. you mean from a younger age. Um, how, how does that, how does that translate into the people that are showing up on your door when they get drafted? Well, the, my main, my main message to them is that you, you will, you have every resource in the world. Like we've got skating coaches, skills coaches, mental performance coaches, our, our coaches in, uh, in the American league are a huge part of our development program. Um, you've got your, your player development group of, of myself or, or uh, uh, other players that have lived this path that you've got everything now there, but I can't make you use it. And, and it's the, the guys that say, I'm, give me anything and everything. And I'll go when I, when I've got to force feed a guy that I know doesn't move well, and it's, he needs to spend the time on his feet and his footwork and on the ice and off the ice. And I've got to force feed it. So I know I've got a, I've got a problem there. And so it's you know you, you speak about when we came in you were basically you got a you got a workout handbook in the mail that it was just blanket everybody got 
everybody got the one your workout book and everybody on the day was doing squats and did it. you know nowadays too is is you know i don't blanket player development i don't take a group of players and he, here you are is yeah. it's everybody we have a plan in place individually of their needs you know even sharpening what they're good at and and taking their deficiencies and 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 making them their strengths it's just you can't force feed them it, this isn't the the NFL model where you draft, you're in a facility two days later, you're in a weight room with our guys and you have no choice. You do it, you may fail because you, you, it's not in you or you don't want to do it, but you're going to do it every day. We don't have that ability. So the, still the accountability and the buy-in is still there on the player. It's, it's right. mapped out for them. It's put in front of them. There's no excuses. And, right. and there's nobody that can sit down the road uh, at 30 years old and go, man, I wish I had you know, you had everything in front of you. You just chose right. not to, and that's yeah. you got to make a choice. And that's why I yeah. say it's not—it's uh, not something you can dabble in and get there. You're either all in or you're, you're in the way. One th one thing that I wrote down there that I want to go back on because it's uh, something that I do remember. I, I, I have acknowledged my poor memory, but was Peter Worrell, who has been a past guest in the show, and you've brought him up, and which which uh, you know triggered triggered the memory is when we would get the power skating people in, in Florida and, uh, and we would, you know, line up on the goal line and we'd be working on our edges or doing whatever. That was one of the kind of, one of the few things really from an extracurricular standpoint with it, that Florida did at the time. Right. I mean, the, yeah. just the NHL in general, but we did have those power skating instructors who would come in and we'd be all at the one end and Pete would still be at center ice, like falling over for the fifth time, you know, and getting up and trying it again. And, and I remember at that time, although, I mean, there was some chuckles with the guys and, you know, it's the NHL and you're, and you're joking, but like, I had mad respect for Pete. For Unbelievable. Doing that, you know? And like, cause it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard to be prepared to not look good in front of your peers or anyone for that matter. And to have an ego that's small enough to be able to deal with that. And, and God, you know what I mean? Like he'll be the first to admit he never turned into an amazing skater, but he turned into a good enough skater. You know, Absolutely. Like he, yeah. he did. He did it like he grounded out and he did it. And like, I just remember that. I mean, he, you see that in players and I'm sure you see that now. And it, you've got to make your heart warm and bring a smile to your face because, you know, it's uh, it's a fun thing to witness. Oh, it is. It's, it's, you know, somebody uh, had said to me early when I started doing this, they said, wait, wait till you to wait till one of your guys takes that step and gets there. The feeling that you that you have. And it, it is. It's almost like one of your kids. Um but it's also just as impressive to me or when you built that relationship and a guy has gone on and maybe it hasn't worked out, but he reaches back out to you and says, Hey, I got a, a job interview next week. Do you mind helping me out with it? Because the trust is, you know, you've yeah. built the trust and, it, and it's not just, you know, we're, we're, we're all about in life building formulas to, to get somewhere and you, you find your formula that just doesn't pertain to hockey. It pertains to life and, whatever you end up doing. And, and, but when you talk about Pete Worrell and finding a formula, like uh, it brings almost tears to my eyes when I think back of those, I mean, having 30 year peers at the other end of the ice and, and him, it, like he had skate guards on it, it literally couldn't get up and down the ice, but he had, you know, they always say, a, you know, a good racehorse, you look them in the eye, you'll see it in their eye, even before they run, how good they're. Pete had that look in his eye. He he wasn't fake. He's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. And you know we were so fortunate to watch the evolution of this guy. And like I said, I played on the line with him in in uh, in Greensboro. He was a heck of a turned into a heck of a player. And and uh, New Haven played together. And 
and talk about one of the hardest jobs in the game period of, of being a tough guy. And, and uh, he had a lot of hurdles in his way and he just kicked them down. And I still, you know, keep in touch with him every so often. And, and what a, you know, it, I think I could still say it to them, to him this day, man, I'm so proud of you. Like of what yeah. you, what you were able to do and what mm -hmm. you had against you. Like, it's incredible, but he, there's an example of a guy he found a way and would it, would anybody have taken a, first round pick that maybe should have walked into the league and, and this guy finds a way. It's a great lesson. You know? Yeah, no, it's a great lesson. And that's why I wanted to bring it up because it is that, uh, to me, that's something that, that doesn't get talked about enough. And we've spent a lot of time here today. And I do spend a lot of time in the podcast, just talking about the stuff other, other than the skill and other than the goals and the assists, right? Because a yep. lot of time I'm finding the more and more I dig into this, that success and high performance as much as we all fall in love with talent, it's usually a character thing or a head thing. Like you, you, there's going to be adversity at some point. There's going to be a way to go about your business that's going to suit your high performance and your success. And 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 yeah, the more like the more actually become student of success, you see that in guys, right? That they just go about it differently, and it's not a yeah. talent thing. People want to say it's a talent thing, and generally, it's not. I think. How can you speak to that a little bit, just from what you see when guys come through your door and who goes on to be successful uh, as far as career wise? Um, yeah, and what that means. Yeah, I mean the talent. The talent. Talent only gets you so far, and 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 you know, I think such a common trait when it comes to talent now is there's there's skill and then there's hard skill. Like today you have to be able to use your skill and your talent in the hard areas and below the dots. And it, it, it's, it's a different game. And, and, and a lot of that too is, is, uh, is your makeup, is your willingness to, to be hard, to, to sacrifice, to, and, and there's guys that I can meet and I can spend 10 minutes with uh, and I, it, it, you know, sometimes you're wrong, but I can, I can just say that's a, that's a hockey player right there. That guy, he's a hockey player. He, he may be, he may be good. He may be average, he may, but I get the feeling this guy gets it and he's going to find a way. And then there's guys that, you know, first round pick or did, that he, I'm overwhelmed with how much I think that they, they don't get it. And it's like, am I going to be able to, and, and I've seen this guy on the ice, but uh, I'm still questioning. You know, and so it, it I think 100% it comes down to, at the end of the day, what is between your ears? What are you willing to do? How much are you willing to listen? Um, how, how, how willing are you to observe people around you? And, and again, how much are you willing to put into the game? Uh, it can give you a lot, but you got to give it a lot. And, and it's uh, talent is by no means any indicator of, you know, for me of who I think eventually gets there and, and who doesn't, because I've seen, I've seen many high talented guys, you know, be those 10 year 60 point guys in the American league and they make a great career and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but it's, uh, it's usually between the years and something that when they, when they have a, a kind of a sense to them that nothing's going to get in their way, uh, of, of being a player, those are harder to find than you would think. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of guys that just want, ah, I'm going to feel my way through this and see where it goes. Uh, it's, 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 it's not as common uh, right. to find guys that are just, they're going to kick the door down and they're going to stay and that's just how it's going to be, um, which is interesting.
And they show up that way, I assume, right? I mean, I've seen that before too. Like some guys just show up, they're on the scene. That's, I mean, wherever they got that from, whether we're going to talk about nurture or nature, this kind of, when you see lay eyes on them, you just see what's going on. Have you seen an evolution uh, where, where it's somebody that maybe didn't arrive on the scene that way, but then learned the competitiveness or learned the professionalism and yeah. then ended up finding the new, new levels? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think a lot of it was uh, an identity crisis is what am I? And I've seen a guy go from being a healthy scratch in the American League to, uh, or a guy that was playing in the East Coast League, work his way up and all of a sudden be uh, be our call-up guy and now now playing in the NHL because it was just it's so simple as having a conversation of like, you know, your work ethic, everything is here. You're, you're a great teammate. You, you've got a great foundation, but something's missing here like you're a good hockey player but we can't quite figure out uh and it was a, an identity con- conversation it's like well right. i'm not sure what i am and i'm like well you've been professional for three years we better we better figure this out <laughs> so what are you and and what do you bring to the table every day and uh, what's going to separate you from this guy and that guy and then all of a sudden it was like oh my gosh i know what i am but it, it's some something as simple as that that's gotten overlooked for in, in trying to find a niche and trying to find your way and going, okay, let's, let's take a step back and, and really find out what you are. And, and then two nights later, it's like, Oh my gosh, it's like he shot out of a can. He's just, he's okay being exactly what he is. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you find that as people, I tell my kids that all the time, just be really good at being you because you're wonderful. You're great, but just yeah. be really, don't, don't complicate it. And that's comes to a place. Sometimes we complicate, the game so much that we get you get so erratic in your approach and it's it's hard to focus when you really don't know what you are yeah that's so that's so wild and i mean i can't help but reflect and i think you know I mean, maybe that's what we both do but like thinking back on on the career and and that was one thing that i struggled with the identity of like when i did go up and i had the opportunity at nhl level is like what not only what was i but what did they want me to be you know or yeah. how was i going to knock the door down because you know, contrary to what some people might think, I was, um, I thought I was too coachable almost. Like you tell me to do something, like be on the defense side of the puck, I'll be there all day, you know, yeah. and I'll sacrifice offense for it. But like, I was never asked necessarily to be the third or fourth line guy to go kill penalties and go n- knock guys over and get in the odd fight. Like I would have done that yeah. gladly, you know what I mean? But then when you yeah. go up there and you're trying to come off a 50 goal season and you're doing these things and you don't really know where you're fitting, it is hard, right? Because you don't know yeah. what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to do it. So um, that's awesome that people are learning from kind of the mistakes from the past, especially what you're doing now, because my God, I know that have been beneficial for me. This is what yeah. we want you to do tonight. Do this really well, you know, and then you can, you can embrace it or you don't, at least the accountability yeah. is on the player now, right. To know exactly what it is you, you are asked to do. Um, which I like the, um, uh, one thing you mentioned about skill is like, you know, can you do it in the hard areas? And one thing that, uh, came to mind was my conversation with David Quinn, who, who had a, who had a pretty cool line. He's like, I always say, he's like, what can you do when someone's trying to stop you from doing it? He's like, yeah. I don't care what you can do in your driveway. He's like, what can you do when someone start, uh, is trying to stop you from doing it? And we were talking about competitiveness. Do you think that this is a drum I've been beating recently, Ryan, is because I can watch an NHL game right now and I can see guys that are just more competitive than everybody else. Mm-hmm. They win They win more battles. They get to the loose puck. They, they, they cause havoc. And I think that's interesting because we're talking about like the best 700 people in the world, right? And and I can still pick out guys that are still competing some separation. Hard. There. Yeah, there's yeah. separation, right? Like, 
I think that is a choice as a player. I think that's a choice when you walk into practice. And I think that's one of the easiest ways to differentiate yourself from your peer group or from the competition. Uh, do you think that's the case as well? Like, do you, do you, do you guys preach competitiveness? Is that something that you guys hail there in Vancouver? Oh, for sure. And, and, and I think you can break that down in so many different areas, but even from watching a game is like, a, a uh, even in talking to some of our young players a lot is, is it, it should, it should piss you off if you're not the first man to the puck. Like that is competitiveness. That is, it, when you're floating up at the top of the circles, what you're showing me is that you want everybody else to do the work to get you the puck, but you want the puck on your stick. You complain about not having it, but you, you're not willing to, to go compete to get it. And, and I think, uh, you know, Travis Green talks about it so much is, is, and we talk so much about the game in the offensive zone uh, from the top of the circles down is that you have to be willing uh, to compete and come up with pucks. If, if you're a skill guy and you want to make plays, you have to find a way to get the puck in your stick, not rely on other people. And even play away from the puck is now in today's game, you have to work so hard even away from the puck to be an option, the way teams mm -hmm. play. Uh, so it, it is, I'd say it's a huge foundation of our organization is how, how, you know, how much you will compete. I think a perfect example is uh, right in front of us right now in, in Vancouver, Niels uh, Hoglander, who's, you know, a rookie that's off to a good start. People see all the highlight goals of him doing the Michigan and you know, up on a stick and around back the net and from from uh, his time overseas. And but for me, he's a hard skilled player. You watch him; he hates being second on pucks. He's he's low to the ground, a great foundation, and he comes up with pucks. And his skill level allows him to make plays because he's so competitive. I mean, he hunts down pucks. He chases pucks. He's uh, I think a, another skill that's often overlooked is, is a heavy stick. He's got a, he's got a heavy stick. He's hard to get the puck from. And, and that's a perfect example of somebody that on the outside, people go, Oh, he's a skilled European player. No, he's, he's a hard skill. Uh, perfect example of somebody that plays in the trenches that, that, uh, can play with people on his back just as he does as if he's just out there in practice. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned him. That that is a great that's a great example. Another one that was coming to mind when you're talking is uh, from one of your one of your uh, competitors over there is the Oilers and Yamamoto, like another smaller guy, mm -hmm. uh, skilled guy, but just works his ass off all the time. And like yeah. it's amazing how many puck battles he comes up with and how many opportunities he gives to a guy like Dryside. Like he makes Dryside way better. And I love the guys too that are that maybe are a little smaller in stature because sometimes that's an excuse. I think especially at the younger level, like. There are ways to compete, as you just said, that's way beyond like finishing your checks or fighting or, you know, I mean, some of these old school ways that we might have, uh, you know, automatically thought of competitiveness. I mean, yeah. lifting a guy's stick, being hard in the back check, second effort, right? Like going first to the corner, being willing to stand beside the net and getting that rebound, the second yeah. rebound, right? Like lots of ways to do that. And, um, and I love your example there. I mean, Tyler Mott seems to be another guy. Actually, we're live right now in my Facebook group, as I told you. And, and for those of you listening, if you do ever want to listen to these live, um, Up My Hockey on Facebook is, is a great way to, to get there. But uh, talking about Mott's start to the year, and we saw him in playoffs last year and, uh, and was an interesting addition. Travis Green at times almost had to fight uh, to say why he's in the lineup, right? And I was like, yeah. why are these people asking this question? Like, look at what he's doing out there. Like, he was an example for everybody else of what competitiveness uh, I thought looked like. Is he? A, is he a kind of a, a 
is there a soft spot for, for you with him? Like, was he, I didn't look, was he somebody with, with, with Utica before you came up? No. Well, he, he, he played some games with us, but he, you know, he was in uh, a couple of organizations before he got to us via, via a trade. Uh, but there's a perfect example of, again, of identity of uh, he's at Michigan. He's a, I believe a 30 goal scorer in college hockey uh, offensive, you know, and, and you're watching now this guy come into professional hockey and trying to find his way of realizing maybe, maybe I'm not that at this level. And I give the kid credit. Like even when he came to us, he came and played in the playoffs in, in uh, Utica for us. And I can still see at that point, it was like the identity is still being molded and it's not quite there. And there's, he's, he's an unbelievable kid fast. He's, uh, you know, is as physically conditioned as anybody you'll find. So all his, everything is makeup is right right there it's just is the identity going to come together and and the the kid committed to being the best penalty killer he could be relied on to to match up against top lines he plays physical and now you're seeing that we've talked about it before he gets his foot in the door establishes himself in that role and uh now he's he's tied uh the most goals on our team <laughs> you know right. like and, and that's why i talk about he's he's got his foot in the door by realizing this is the player I need to be. And now he's evolving his game and moving his way into certain situations, which is a, an incredible example. If I'm a young kid, I, I want to find out, well, how did he go from there to here? And now he's working his way back to there. You know, it's, those, are, those are guys you really can pay attention to because it's everything you and I've essentially been talking to about for the last hour. Take another short break from the conversation here with Ryan to say that I had one other review here that I that I should mention. It's from Garth Gartner. It's a coach of a local team here, a North Zone team, so some of the best Bantam kids in the area. And they asked me to come in uh, and speak to the team on some of these things that I've been doing. And uh, I, I don't mention that enough. I mean, that this is an option. If you are a coach out there, uh, if you are a parent of a player that is on a team and you want to have a Zoom call uh, with me on, you know, preparation, on mental toughness, on on developing character, on competitiveness. I mean, there's a multitude of things that I do workshops on. Uh, I'd be happy to help. I mean, this is what I do. I love doing it. Um, it it's, it's really great to see the sparkle in people's eyes when they recognize that some of these things like character is, is a skill and resilience is a skill and being a good teammate is a skill. And these are all things that are going to help you uh, personally along your way to becoming your, your best. Uh, but it's also going to help your team win more games. It's also going to help you become a better player and a better person. So uh, it's exciting. I, I love doing it. So you, you can reach out to me on the website, www.myhockey.com. Uh, there's a contact form there. You can reach out to me on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, where else? Facebook. So there's lots of ways to get a hold of me. Uh, the cool thing with what's going on, we're so used to Zoom now that I, I can be in anybody's dressing room, um, in anyone's living room, and we can be running these Zoom sessions, which I have been doing. And, and right now with what's going on with COVID and the, and the you know, a lot of people aren't playing, games aren't happening. These, these players 
don't have the thing that they want, right? There's, there's nothing there for them right now to focus on. This is the kind of stuff they should be focusing on. Right now, this is the perfect time um, to be focusing on things like character and mental toughness and how to handle anxiety and, um, you know, all these other different topics. So um, by all means, reach out. I'd love to help. I think now's the perfect time, maybe more perfect than any, that we can start working on these, uh, these skill traits outside of the game. And uh, oh, and I get back to the uh, to the review. Five stars. Keep them coming. Jason really captures the true meaning of playing hockey. It's great to hear the stories from former players and the hard work, dedication, adversity they went through to achieve their goal of playing in the NHL. There is no doubt that young players are learning to be a better version of themselves by listening to this podcast. So thanks very much, Garth, uh, for taking the time to write that and having me in. And again, uh, it's also a great reminder to me to let others know that you know what this can happen for their team and. Uh, and you can get the value out of, uh, you know, my experience as a player, my experience now in coaching and, and of being able to speak with all these amazing guests um, to put it into a toolbox for, uh, for athletes out there. So um, good stuff. We'll get back to the interview now with Ryan Johnson. Really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. No, exactly. And Greener, I mean, again, that word trust, right? So Greener there on the bench, he's seen this guy, what he's been delivering in the role that he was originally, you know, given, owned that role, even, even you know, exceeded the expectations of that role. So guess what a coach does? He's going to give you a little more. He's going to yeah. give you a little more, you know what I mean? And then see what you do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love that. And I love the fact, though, that Greener's even able to do that, too. I mean, like some some organizations aren't like that. You know what I mean? You yeah. have your established roles and you stay within them. To be able to see growth within an organization and for other players to see that, you know what, this is rewarded. When you do things the right way, you get rewarded. I think that's an awesome culture to be in and uh, really like what you guys go, got going on there. When we were talking about character, Johnny, um, character to me is a big word, and it's it's something that I've been working with uh, with my players on. I mean, really, every time we talk, you know, what I mean, like on a self assessment way, right? But when when I say character, and I've said this on this show before, or when you say character, it's a pretty broad word, right? Even when we talk yep. about professionalism, like if you were to unpack character, and if you were to like maybe let's say grab three traits, or maybe your top trait, whatever you're comfortable with, like what would you what would you take out of that word character to say? Uh, this is what I want my guys to have in spades when it comes to character. What 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 trait would that be? Uh, well, I mean, it's you know I think when it comes to character and and play, I think it's acknowledging uh, that that every person or every player is is very different and they're. I said it before that everyone's formula is different. You you just have you're going to have to find it. I think, um, you know, you know, I, there's, there's a part of me that, 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 uh, uh, you know, I do think, uh, the, the, the ability or the willingness to, to find, or, or your professionalism to be able to find your identity, to, to understand who you are and what you are as a person and, and, uh, uh, be confident in that, like it, but, at the same point have a sense of humility about the way you go there's a fine balance there i mean i i like kids that uh that hate to lose that love mm -hmm. to win i think that's I, I think um we're trying to find winners in this business people that 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 will do the things to uh, to to inevitably find their way to to fit into a team to so when it when it when it comes to man to break it down 
Well, you just said that's competitiveness again, though, isn't it? Yeah, it it does. It it boils it it does boil back to that. I mean, um, I think you you've got to have uh, a willingness to sacrifice with what we do and and to find there there always uh, has to be a, a willingness to sacrifice. There has to be, uh, like I said, the the ability to, and I keep coming back to to self evaluate yourself, not mm-hmm. just on the ice but off the ice. Um, you know, it, it, I do appreciate uh, a sense of uh, of humility in in character. I, f- I find it a very grounding, um, never being satisfied, uh, never being content with who you are and what you are. I think comes back to a bit of humility, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, they, man, I could I could spend we could spend a whole nother sure. conversation on this, but um, you know it's a, we. When you find a guy, RJ, sorry to cut you off there, but like I, I just, Jerome again came to mind. Like when, when you, who was a past guest on here, and here's a guy who just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean, a peer of both of ours. He's, he's a 77 birthday. Uh, but there's a guy, right? I mean, won the Maurice Richard, won the, won the Lester Pearson, you know, was at the pinnacle of the game, won the gold medal. You couldn't find a guy, a guy who's more grateful, humble, and and just down to earth. And I think you know you see that in Shane Doan. You see that in some of these other guys that are like you know were, were perennial great players. But there was a, a a level of humility, as you say, that was right there with the swagger. And I think when you have that nice yeah. mix, you know, of like having the swagger, having the humility, you keep one. You your feet stay on the ground. And two, you keep getting better, right? Because you know yep. that there's something else to go. So I love the fact that you bring up humility there a, a few times. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and and we've talked about confidence a little bit. Like, can you speak to the idea that you know a lot of us a lot of us unpack confidence and think that confidence is something you get after you find a result in what it is that you're doing, right? No. So you go out there and you score your three goals, and now you know, now I'm confident because I had this good game, yeah. like. That's hard to do, especially when you're leveling up, because you know when it's your first game in the NHL, you haven't scored a goal in the NHL yet. You know I mean you yeah. haven't had even had a shot on goal. So how do you walk into that environment and be confident? And and I speak to the to the idea of the process. Like when you do find that process, when you do find your identity, and you're putting in the work, you show up on the scene with a level of confidence because yeah. you know that you've done what it took to get there. Yeah, I say this like redundantly to my to my players and to to guys is is preparation breeds confidence. That's the only thing that will give you your confidence. Not luck. Luck may give you a, a feeling of uh, an immediate gratification, uh, hope. Those things, they don't last, but your preparation will breed your confidence and it will carry you always. And even, even when things aren't going well, it, I come back to the preparation. Is, is when you're questioning yourself or you've had a, a run of a couple games, again, and it, your professionalism comes into this is, what are you going back to? What is your routine? What is your formula that, that got your confidence? And so when a guy says to me, ah, I'm just struggling, I can't get it. I say, well, where, where's your preparation? Like, where, where is that? Are you going back to the place that you know gives you success? When you rely on that, usually you get it back quicker. When you start getting off track and your, 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 routine, your routine is out of sorts or you're, now you're, you're you're relying on other things to give you success, then you're in trouble. But when you come back to your preparation and your daily routine and what you, I always found when, even when I was struggling, when I put, when I put my energy back into the game or into my process, things somehow worked out where I could all of a sudden smile and go, yeah, 
man, that wasn't that hard. It just, sometimes you can tailspin and, and think of, well, I'm not playing with this guy. And, oh, man, I'm this and that. You just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. But when you come back to your own, uh, again, evaluating yourself, preparing the way you know to putting, trying something different or, or it, when you're, when you're on, mm -hmm. then you, you, you find your way out of it. And, and it, it comes back the same with, I find the guys that are nervous in training camps are the guys that didn't do the work. I can see it in their eyes. The second yeah. they come through the door, I can say, Oh, that guy's not ready. But the guy that comes in that I know has done the work, he's got a smile on his face. Cause he says, now the, the hard part's over. Now I just right. go everything. I just, and, and those Better are the guys batter. that end. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and, uh, that's, I can tell, I can tell there's a major difference. And I, again, I can come back. I can see it in their eyes when they, they know they've done the work. Uh, it just, they just spew, you know, you know, uh, Danny Briere was like my third guest on here. And, uh, I don't know if you know Danny personally or not, but nope. just, uh, he's just an amazing human being himself. And he, he spoke super candidly about his path right and like his evolution because he's he's massively struggled self-admittedly at the nhl level right i mean he was a 96 point guy i think as a 19 year old a 20 year old in the ahl and just couldn't find a way to get over the hump and uh and yeah he's he's super vulnerable in that conversation and he just talks about really dialing in this thing that we've been talking about called professionalism right in his process and his routine yeah. and then he got to a point where he said he was sitting on the bench and even though he was five eight and three quarters and 170 pounds he felt that he was better prepared than the guy across the rink from him that was he knew he was better prepared right yeah. and then he said that level of confidence that he earned because of what he was doing um allowed him to become you know the top 10 scorer and almost win a con Smythe and everything else that he did in his career right yeah. and it was really interesting to hear him talk about that and and one of the ways that we ended up putting it and and, and maybe this is a good way to to put a bow on professionalism but it, he became consciously competent like he understood how he was going to be the best player he could be and i think when when athletes start thinking that way, right? Like, when am I at my best, and why am I at my best? And now to create a package and a process around that, right? That yep. this is how Ryan Johnson is his best player. You become consciously competent, and I think you need to be a curious athlete to be able to do that. Yeah, and and that's why I say when you when you do get your formula, it's amazing because it's not just immediately in what your it whether it's business relationships anything. When you get your formula and understand what works for you as a person, and it's it's not blanket. It's it, everybody individually's formula is is, is uh, their own. But when you find it, and then you, you can now you can day after day after day after day. It's it's it, and and you know to your point with Danny, it, it took him a long time to to find that formula or figure out. I better find a formula or else I'm going to be in trouble. And, right. and you start to to to. It, you know, you start to think about it every day and every minute. Um, you know, there, it, it's it's amazing to hear even uh, a story like that of somebody, like you said, that had all the success, uh, didn't yeah. come from, but still was saying, man, how did I have that? Or how did it, yeah. or it came easy to me at one point. It's not coming easy anymore. I better, I better figure this out, find a solution or else I could, I could be out of the league pretty fast here. So just a mountain of talent he had too, right? I mean, he had to figure yeah. out how to be able to use that talent at that level. Um, 
And Pete, oh my God, we just got a line from Pete Worrell. He's on right now, RJ. He's actually <laughs> watching. So Pete, I don't know how long you've been listening for, but we, we told a story about how much we both respect you and um, some stories from back in Florida. And, and RJ spoke of your time together uh, playing in... Uh, Geez, we're in New Haven uh, for, for the Beast as line mates. So awesome to have you on here, Pete. Oh, and I missed the uh, the messages here. Tom Laidlaw was on, RJ. He says, RJ is one of my favorite all-time people. Um, so Tom, thanks for joining in. He was also a past guest on the Up My Hockey podcast. Just an awesome dude and, and almost my agent. One of my biggest mistakes I ever made. I should have picked Tom <laughs> back in the day. Um, but yeah, so anyways, there's some, there's some great names uh, tuning in here and, and listening, RJ. Um, that... Uh, the idea with with preparation, and, I, and maybe you can speak to this as a, as a player because it's something that I do work with athletes on now. And like you know, as I said, getting consciously competent. Like as far as a pre-game, now let's say, and that's not getting into just like the twenty-four-seven idea of like being a hockey player. But how how did you go about developing that routine, and and how did you take care of your mind and body to be ready for for competition? What was your process? Well, it's just a lot of trial and error. I know that finding out what what worked with the, for me, I think the one thing, and maybe through my dad or, I mean, I was, um, I was thinking about it nonstop. I can remember being in, in an apartment in New Haven, Connecticut, you know, writing down, what is, what are you thinking about? What are what are we doing tomorrow? What it, and, uh, you know, trying to check the boxes too of away from the arena is everything. Am I, do I have everything in place away from the arena that, puts me in a state that is that is going to allow me to tomorrow to be the best player I could be or thinking and and uh it was you know finding the the morning routine that helped me at night be the best player it was a lot of trial and error but I was a person and some people are different that you know they need their mornings to be relaxed and a pregame skate that they just go out for me it was from the time I woke up I was thinking about what I was doing hour to hour to get ready for the, for that night for seven o'clock. And it was my morning skates. I had to be, you know, I, we, I would yell it out like this, got it. This has to be crispy. Everything needs to be, I would try to break people's sticks and, and the, you know, the simple, you know, pass your D boot, loop up, go down, shoot. Like I would try to put it through their sticks and they, what the, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, it's gotta be crit. Like I wanted things so good. And I wanted to feel good coming out of that skate. I would do certain things after the skate. Like, I mean, I was almost to the point when we got in bed at the end, at the end of the night. I mean, I was exhausted from the whole process, not just from the game. <laughs> but I knew that's how I needed to be. You know, I couldn't turn it on. I couldn't turn it off. Uh, and people laughed at me. said, well, you were, you were a single guy in the NHL. You were 34, 35 when you retired. And, and I, I would find it hard to do what I was doing and have a family. And that's reality. You know, I, yeah. I can admit that like I, I was that focused in a, that I would be scared. And it, not that that's why I made certain relationships, but I'm just being honest. That's how focused I had to be all the time. I was also a player. I was a bottom six player that I had to be, or I could be out of the league just like that. And so um, I, I didn't take a, a minute off or a day off when I, when I went in, because I could have a, it didn't matter my contract status. I always felt like somebody was lining up to take my job and every day I had to earn it. And was that necessarily the case? Yeah, but it's the way I had to operate to, to have yeah. longevity. And that's how 
I felt, and like I said, it was exhausting at times. I mean, I would, it, it was because it was all day, every day, but that's, I felt the only way that I could continue to push myself and to, and to get better and better and better to, to have longevity, you know? As far, and I know this is different for everybody and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I still have Danny's conversation in the back of my head and know what I did personally. Uh, you seem pretty methodical with your approach. Was, was there, yeah. was there a time, like, did you use visualization, like in any type of standardized yeah. way? Like, did you have a, like, again, like a lot of guys, one of the things Danny spoke to was he, early in his career, he wanted to do so much, right? Especially at the NHL level, right? Like, I mean, he said, like, I mean, be first to the puck, be on the defensive side. If I'm in the slot, I got to shoot the puck. You know, I got to find the open guy. I got to slow things down. You know, got to be hard on sticks. And he said all that stuff was just like, it ended up swallowing him. You know, yeah. and he never really yeah. could focus on anything. So he ended up like finding a way to focus on one or two things a night. He had a visualization process where he would, you know, go over his goal, whatever the case may be, right? But he actually got a systematic thing where he would use visualization, where he'd show up at the rink and he would now just essentially react and respond instead of like yeah. think on the ice. Um, can you speak to anything you use, whether visualization or otherwise, to get your mind uh, ready uh, for the game? Absolutely. I, I, I always, yeah, I will take this the night before a game. I would usually do a 10 minute stretch, throw on music and stretch. And just, uh, it was more about getting my mind. I would just think about, you know, the best game I ever had, the best plays I've ever made and what that felt like and, and try to just run that through my head. But I felt like even getting in bed the night before that I was already engaged in what I was trying to do. And again, maybe people say, oh, that's too much. Well, it was what it was what I needed to, again, coming back to preparation confidence to, to have me as confident as possible. And then same with after a 5.30 meeting for set, I would go out and warm up physically, but I would take five minutes again and just run through deep breaths, thinking about, you know, what am I trying to, what am I focusing on? And how did I feel when I had my best games ever? What was my, and again, it felt to me when I stepped on the ice, I felt confident because I had prepared. And I did the, as opposed to just showing up in the morning and going through. And again, some guys formula, that's what they need. They need to relax, relax, relax. Boom. I was the other way I needed to, uh, I needed to, to have a, a full buildup, but I visualized, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, warming my body up to, to make sure I was ready to go. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I constantly read books. I was, I was trying to get better, you know, right. in, in my mind. Uh, and we have way more resources today than we did then uh, of, you know, there's so many more things from a mind control and, and things that, uh, that you can do now that I think uh, uh, you'd have to be a bit ahead of your time if you're doing when we were playing. Yeah. One of the things um, that I know for me personally, and uh, j just trying to balance that act of, like you said, finding out what works for you. And for me, I was a guy that I needed to take care of my stuff at home as far as like, you know, what our fourth check was, you know, what I was supposed to do on a face off defensive zone coverage, like that type of stuff. Like that would be generally the stuff that I would visualize. So I knew when I arrived at the game, that stuff was taken care of. Right. So I'm not on the ice. Yep. I'm not trying to digest stuff. And then when I, when I arrived at the rink for me, it was like getting my body ready. Cause my mind for me was already done. It was like, where's my energy level at? How do I get my bo body right? How do I get that? You know, that tingle from your muscles you know, we've yep. all experienced when you're ready to roll. And, um, and which was interesting because in some environments, like me bouncing around the room and not having my gear on until like five minutes before we go out was kind of like, 
who is this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. not pro professional. You know what I mean? But like, that was what I needed to do. And I had For to sure. own that because I just needed to be a guy that was more loose and like focused on my body at the time. I wasn't sitting in my stall with my head between my legs, you know, visual at that stage. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong. It's what you need. No. But it's finding out what you do need. And then if you're in a position like you are in allowing the players to do that, you know, that it's not a cookie cutter approach. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why, um, you, you never pigeonhole guy or guys, they have to do what, you know, they have to do. Uh, I was, you know, even from building a dress room and I want guys to be themselves. I want them. I want them to be, if they're eccentric and they operate that and they feel better, I want them to be that. I want to see that. I just want, don't talk to me about it, do it, but then show me it on the ice that you could right. thrive in that. And I will cheer you on all day and I'll ask for more of it. But yeah. don't don't talk so much that that you don't back it up. But if you if you're one of those guys and you can you can put it on the ice, uh, I I tell the guys all the time I want to see more of it. Like I, be you. Yeah. Don't don't try to be something you're not. If it works for you, let's let's. How can we nourish that? How can yeah. we get more of that out of you? You know. I love that. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just no. thinking that unbelievable interview with Scotty Nickel, who I know you know well and yep. is uh, doing your job for the Nashville Predators. Uh, he, he had a great quote. He says, you know what? He goes, I don't want 20 milk drinkers on my no. team. You know, he's like, it's boring. Nobody wants it. He's like, we want personalities. We want guys to be able to fill spots in the locker room. It's pieces to a puzzle. And I thought that was a beautiful way to put it because, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be the same guy. Let, let guys be themselves. No, we, we don't. I don't want... I don't want a, a team full of nice boys. I don't want a bunch of nice. I I want sandpaper. I want and I I encourage it that I also encourage guys to have fun. I, I say it at the start of the year. This if if we do this right and and we follow what I think uh, from a culture from an expectation of if we think we need to we need to develop. Uh, but we want to win developing. I, I, I'm a firm believer that when players learn to win early in their careers, it 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 changes the whole dynamic of the of the rest of their careers. When they when they don't play playoff games, they're used to going home middle of April. Every it's hard to get out of that rut. So, and I want to win. Winning is fun, and I encourage guys that we will do things away from the arena as a team. This this. It has to be fun coming to the arena. If we have consistency in who we are and what we expect every every day, that we will find time. And and you know me, I love to uh, I love to have a good time. We we will find ways to make this fun for players. And we we uh, I try to encourage that. And with our days off or or giving guys the green light to go out and have some fun, like you work hard for that. And that, and guys, when when you can acknowledge that and say, look we're going to dial in. And when it's time to, to go, I want to see the sandpaper. I want to see the, the, the personalities. We, we brought our group to, uh, to a football game in, in uh, Buffalo. Um, and, and I said to the guys, like, I want to see you. Like, don't, don't sit here. I want to see you. And, you know, in, in between plays, like, there's eight guys up with their beers and they're all dancing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm seeing you. Like, this is good. I, I, I'm seeing you. And I want that. I want, I want personalities. I want guys that that uh, that 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 make it fun. That that are culture carriers in the sense of it, it's fun, but man, do they work and they're professionals. But when it's time to let the hair down, or it, it, you're enjoying a win, like enjoy it. it yeah. It's supposed to be fun, and and yeah. it's a huge message that if it's not, 
if if you playing this game doesn't come from an area of, of love and I, and guys, you know, you say that and guys go, Oh man, what's he talking about? But I'm talking about love of the game, I'm talking to love of how you grew up to learning this game and growing your passion for it. Like love that. Like it's amazing at the time you put in or with your parents driving like that, you think about it. It's amazing. The love for your families and, and wanting to make them proud. The love, the community that you, that you play in the, the love of your teammates and what that feels like to win a hockey game. You know, we, you've got the spider that these legs that come out from that word that are not what you totally uh, typically think of the word love, but when it comes back to the game and, and all those avenues come into one ball and you can approach the, the game with that every day like it's 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 amazing what could come of it you know that's so cool no i love you i love you talking about that the uh this one success story i'll share with one of the guys that i'm working with uh privately uh, it's a lot of times i don't get to see these players right because it's, it's i'm not you know working with stuff on the ice i'm working with them on stuff off the ice but i did have a chance to to see one of my players uh practice it was just like a you know summer development kind of shinny thing and uh he came off the ice and i'm like you're not having enough fun and like that was like that sounds so trite and so simple, but that was like the biggest turning point for him out of anything because yeah. he was so serious about getting good and being great and like you know like trying to be professional that he totally was forgetting about what the hell he was on the ice for in the first yeah. place, right? Which yeah. is he loves the damn thing. I'm like, do yeah. what you love. Remember that you love it, and uh, and tapping into that can be like an amazing release and, a, and an amazing uh, you know ability to, to find your, your own high performance. Uh, yeah. So I, I love that you talk about that because yeah, I mean, what we've been talking about here can have a serious overtone to it, right? Professionalism For sure. and being dialed in, doing all stuff. But you know what? It's got to be fun. You got to be have a good time doing it. You got to know when, when that time is and even find the joy in the practice of what that is. You know what I mean? You can get better and still have a good time doing it, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I, I love, I love you hearing that. What, one thing that came to mind is, and I haven't been in a dressing room forever. So, I mean, so I don't know. It's all third-hand stuff. But I do know what it's like to be with my kids and their friends and with the devices and, you know, how they communicate and do all that. Yeah. And I and I know it's a far cry from how you and I hung out together, you know, on whether it be on buses or on road trips. It, is it more of a challenge now for, for what you do to, like, bring the guys together and create that family that I know that is so important to you with those 20 guys in the locker room? I think so. And, and we, and not that it's a hard rule, but we, we ask our guys, you know, in, in the gym, in the trainer's room, in, in our actual, um, in our dress room is we, we leave the phones out of it. Like you, you need to go in the lounge or you've got, you know, a family issue, your wife, or girlfriend, something 100%. But when we're, when we're in those walls, as much as we can, we, we want to be present with each other. We want to have conversations. We want to look each other in the eye. We want to experience that that's a part of being a team that why it's so fun when you win is that you're engaged with these people. We ask that of them. We also understand it's, it's harder in today's age to, to, especially with scheduling or think to, to team build, but we've made, we made that a, a priority. We've, you know, here in, in uh, Utica, uh, just a team line. We, on practice days, we have a uh, of a lunch waiting that the TV's on, but, We've a uh, uh, deck of cards out with things that I, we want them to spend the time together because it's so easy to finish practice, rush out, you're gone. Even if it's half hour and you share a meal with somebody and you get invested in them, it, it often comes back to you as a team, but also individually. You find new levels when you're invested in your teammates. And yeah. we, we do a lot of things. Um, I, I like consistency in culture. 
I like players knowing win or lose, you're in a tough spell, you're in a good spell. I want you walking into an environment that is consistent, that you're not on pins and needles of what am I getting today? Oh my gosh. And now that ends up disrupting your, your own process, your own, or where your focus is, is if you know you're going to come in and there may be some hard meetings or there's going to be some, but when you're, you walk into consistency, uh, I find players in a much better, especially players today. And we try to do, you know, create a consistent environment when you're in, in, in the arena, uh, but also, finding ways outside of the arena that we can break ourselves down as people and, and dive into each other, whether it's uh, we try to do something each month. And like I said, we've done NFL games in the past where you get out, have some beer or you, uh, you know, um, bowling days or, or uh, whether it's lunches or bringing our families in and the girls in to, to include them in, in the process. So they feel vested. Mm -hmm. We try to do things to, 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 to create, an atmosphere that everybody is is wants to be in and right. knows it's an it's an atmosphere that they're going to get better in and that they're invested like i said when you're invested in your teammates often it helps you as a team but it helps you individually of where you're willing to go for these guys yeah man i mean that that word uh family right like it is when you can actually feel like that and i think i think we and again, not not to say these guys don't have it, but I know that on the teams that that was successful in my in my journey and my career, the teams I played for, it was always a tangible difference when guys really cared about each other. Like yeah. the, the guys that hung out together, where you where you cared about that guy as a person, not just a player. And like you said, you, there's a different level of accountability to each other. There's a different level of investment, and often and oftentimes results are are, are spawned from that too, right? The, yeah. the teams that always did the best ended up going the farthest too when it came to the family side of things. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take it on the, keep it on the rails just with the, the idea of this new generation. I know there's a lot of parents that listen to this podcast as well. I've also had some coaches on here talking about the sometimes inability of, of this younger generation of players to communicate face to face, look somebody in the eye and have a conversation, um, and how that's kind of becoming a little bit of a lost art form. Um, obviously you, you need to find ways through that because you need to be yeah. able to communicate with guys and find ways to do it. But, uh, do you feel that there's still an importance enable in doing that? Like, do you, is it something that you, you see fondly when someone can stand up there, shake your hand, look in the eye and have a conversation with you, 18 year old kid walking through the door. Um, or is it even an issue like, or, or do you not see that? Do you see these guys are able to communicate and, it, and it's fine? No, I, I appreciate it when somebody shakes a hand, looks in the eye and is able to, I, I know they're digesting something or they're engaged in the conversation when their, their chin is up and, and, and we're looking at each other as, as men. Um, and from a communication standpoint, I, as general manager, this, Team, I don't. I, I operate out of uh, empathy, of presence. Of I'm not a guy that sits up in the in the crowd and watches games and you know uh, dashes into the coach room, dashes out, and you don't see anything when you walk by me on the bus. It's like, oh, geez, I I'm in their faces. I'm in the hallways. I'm in, and and people will say, well, that's that doesn't work. Well, I I believe it does. I. I I believe in conversations, daily conversations. I believe in honest conversations. Um, just because I speak of some of these aspects of, of uh, you know, the love or investment or family, or it, it doesn't mean I don't have hard, hard conversations. I, I, I have an obligation to these players to be honest. And that's one thing I owe them. And I have to be 
in and speaking to them on a regular basis to be able to be consistently honest with them and build conversation build relationships i feel that a relationship is pivotal in in where they're going you know i i tell them all the time my job here is not to step on you to get somewhere and i think that exists in this business is you know certain people want to i'm going to use you to get me here my my job is i tell these players is you step on me to get to the nhl and i'll feel like i've done my job so use me step on me it may not be nice sometimes may not be easy but if we can be honest with each other and we can we can have and sometimes it goes the other way if a guy that maybe should be getting called up but but isn't i can be honest with him and say hey you're doing everything you 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 need to be doing just be patient but yeah. even that little exchange of they hear that from me as opposed to just silence it changes their day-to-day -day. it's like man okay i appreciated that or right. Or having an honest conversation, you're not where you need to be, but I want to be in the fire and be able to look at these guys because I think it's part of that investment of yeah. them knowing I have their best interests, that I want them to step on me. Uh, when I'm around and, and they, they see the consistency in me in that is that they believe me. And so when I tell them things, they go, oh, uh, he's telling me this because he knows it's going to get me to where I want to go. Right. And and that's something I've over time, but it, I've I've wanted to establish with my with my players and my staff. I, I tell my staff the same thing: use me to get to where you need to go. That's what I'm here for. It's not I'm not asking you to do things so that I benefit. One more short break here. We have a two-hour interview today, so I thought we'd break it up three times. Um, and we're gonna, just going to chat about my my character course that's available out there. It's called Developing Championship Hockey Character. It's on my website, www.myhockey.com. This is perfect for probably peewee on up. Peewee right through the junior ranks. Um, I mean, actually, it's great. It's good for pros, too. But as far as you know, who listens to this podcast, I know it's parents and it's aspiring players and and it's definitely digestible at the peewee level. It's applicable at the peewee level. And it's a great thing for coaches uh, to band around. You know, it's discussion topics, it's perspectives, um, it's tools to put in your toolbox to to really help your team identify who they are, who they want to be as a team and also as individuals, who you want to become as an individual, what you are now, a uh, different way to look at yourself as a player uh, with all these intangibles that just keep getting mentioned again and again in this podcast that either people want or they're looking for or they wish people had more of, you know, like character, like being a good teammate, like being resilient, like being dedicated, being accountable, being professional. Uh, having having strong mental toughness. These things are all areas of the game that you have to have and you should be looking at it. So my developing championship character course is something I'm proud of. I work with teams uh, with it. Uh, individuals can also purchase it. You can do it on your own. I highly recommend it for parents and players to do together. Uh, and as I said earlier, it's great for coaches and teams. So uh, that's available at www.myhockey.com uh, underneath services. So check that out. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. Now back to the episode with Ryan Johnson. Right. That's no, good opposite. for you, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one of the things that I thought was great advice from David Quinn was he said, like, the secret to my success was just serving the shit out of wherever I am. You know, like doing the best I can where I'm at at that time. 
you know, yeah. and, and and I think even as a player, that's awesome advice because we can get so caught up in trying to be somewhere else that we forget to live in the present moment and what we can do in that environment. I mean, coaches, I mean, GMs, it applies to everyone, right? Like how yeah. good can you be where you are? And I think when you put your focus on that, how can you serve that organization the best you can? You know, you're, as an individual, you're going to get taken care of at the end of the day. And that's, and that's, that's why I say to the, my, my entire group is I am right where I need to be. So I'm not, I'm not looking anywhere that right now besides you, the whites of your eyes. And so when you guys understand that, then, then, then I think we're all on, on a, in a better place to understand that this is, this is only the, the only place I want to be. And that's when I say I come back to is that I, I'm here to elevate you. It's not the opposite. So get that. And then now we're on the same page. Let's get to work. Let's, let's focus in on, on, on the daily and let's, you know, you talk about some young players these days, it's immediate gratification all over. It's like, well, yeah, but is it happening tomorrow? Oh, it's not. Oh, that's awful. Like I can't do that. It's like, well, this is a process. And that's half the buy-in too, is understanding this isn't, you know, the cell phones, everything you want, something, boom, you get it. And it's, it's hard with the young players right now to convince them of it's a process and it's not four days. I know you're used to everything <laughs> happening yeah. so fast. This may take some time, but you buy into it and, and watch where you end up. And like I say, they all want to get called up, called up. I, just, yeah. I want you to get called up and never see you again. The, t- the day I don't ever see you again is those are good days. So I can imagine the difference. So like you said, I mean, I've, I've spoken about it before, but everything is like, watch a movie it's now like you know we had to go get the pick it out of this video store and bring it back home and you know rent the vcr yeah. and you know amazon prime you pr- you press the button from your home and it's at your doorstep three days like these that's all the environment these 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 current yeah. generation of athletes is growing up in and now you're telling them you have to have a three-year window before you get into the nhl it's like what that's like that's well, eons, and it's, it's you know? hard to, it's hard to pull those reins back because you draft a kid and you say well okay let's put a plan in place. Well, they say, well, my plan is I'm going to make the Vancouver Canucks in training camp. It's like, well, okay. Uh, I, I understand that. And, and it's, it's a hard, you know, you, you got to juggle it a little bit and say, okay, that's great. But let's now let's, let's get a plan in place to at least what's the next month look like or what, you know, and then yeah. two years later, they're in the American league finding their way. And, and, you know, it, it's, they want it immediately and they want it to happen. And you've got to, in today's day you gotta you've got to find the language and and the the way to say okay i i get that i'm gonna harness your energy here let's just direct it the right way and we'll, we'll right. get we'll get you there this may not happen in three months you know? we um we geez right from right from the get-go here we've we've gotten away from your career and that's too bad because i mean i wanted to do that's your career some, some justice that's but a good thing um but if, if if we could i mean i know your dad was a massive influence on you growing up i remember I remember even at the time when we were roommates um, and, and I, and from the article that you wrote in the Vancouver sun, you, you referenced him a, a bunch. And, uh, and I posted that article it's on NHL.com now in that, in that Facebook group that I've been telling you about. And, and one of the, one of the people that listened to it, his name was or read it was Jared, Jared uh, Bissett. And, and he said in the article you wrote, you did everything you possibly could to get there. Or your dad said, I mean, I want you to do everything you possibly could to get there. And, and his question is, can you give some examples of that? Like what would your, you as a 13 to 15 year old kid, like what would a typical week look like? And did, did you do other things that you think other kids weren't doing at that point? Well, I think even 13 to 15, uh, I would say 
my thought was not on the NHL necessarily. My thought was, you know, I was a guy, you know, at 13, I think I was maybe the ninth or 10th best forward on my team at 15, you know, but, but I would say at that to, to, to Jared's is, I, I think even at that point, I had a seriousness of how I wanted to go about my business of what uh, training looked like, what my off ice uh, habits were of what a week looked like for me. Like I, and I, and I think I, I think I cheated the system a little bit in the sense of I had an older brother that was now at 19, 20 had been drafted, was one of the best college players of all time. I had a father, I had uh, my other brother, Corey, that was, you know, four and a half, five years older than me, that same thing was, was playing junior hockey and fine. I had a dad that, you know, that at a young age instilled a lot of incredible uh, habits in me that I was very thankful for. So I think having, older brothers and seeing them already in it helped me at that age. Was I thinking of even at 15, 16 uh, and playing junior hockey in, in Thunder Bay, the USHL at the time, I wasn't even thinking of being drafted. I was just trying to find, I guess, my process and, and find myself as a player and what that looked like. I was kind of a late bloomer. And, but to answer your question, it's still, I was still engaged in, in, routines and habits that I felt were, could get me somewhere in life. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think I spoke in the article, my, my dad's, we just happened to have a passion in our family for the game, but my dad's lessons were not about getting me to the NHL. They were trying to get me to be a really good person and be able to find my way through anything in life. He just hockey happened to be that canvas of, of a lot of his life lessons. And it's amazing, you know, life today i still refer to a lot of his our conversations or or, or things that uh you know i use in my daily life that at the time maybe i didn't see coming but uh as i got into life and 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 his passing it it was a you know there's so many lessons that i'm still even taking from him today as i speak so you spoke about your brothers there and, you know, it sounds like essentially role models, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're older than you. They're going about their business, um, having success. You're, you're able to follow in those footsteps and probably wanting to emulate them and, and, you know, yeah. do, do what they were doing. Awesome to have that growing up, especially having a father figure as well in that environment. That is also a role model showing you how to be a man, how to, you know, how to show up and, and take care of your business. Did you have that role model? I mean, I spoke about this on this on this show before, like, but in your professional career, was there ever anyone older that kind of took you under your wing or that served as that mentor kind of for you um, as, as yeah. you became a, a player? Well, speaking of my, my, like, I mean, my brothers and my dad, like, you know, people turned on the TV to see. Wayne Gretzky or Mary Lemieux or did, I literally, and I can say this honestly, I would open up the bedroom to my, from my door, from the, the door to my bedroom. And there were like three of my idols that, that those were my idols. I, I wanted to be my brothers. I, 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 my dad was hard on me, but I, you know, that's why I say I cheated the system. I didn't have to turn on a TV. I had to walk down the hall and I was like, man, but they taught me so much. And the other thing I think in my hockey career, uh, and you know, that the group in Florida, uh, that uh, we were drafted into the expansion team and a lot of those players that, that uh, ended up on, on those teams, those early teams especially, when I eventually worked my way out of the minors and got um, 
uh, my first year in the NHL and full-time year. And I had such, I feel so fortunate looking back on the players that I was able to play around uh, Tom Fitzgerald, Brett Hedekin, uh, Bill Lindsay, Paul Laus, Robert Svela, uh, Scott Mellonby was our captain. I mean, talk about a guy who lucked out in that, I didn't say a word for the first three months of that season. I literally, sometimes they would look at me. I remember Ray Whitney would even be like, do you speak? Like, do you, cause all I wanted to do was earn these guys respect. I, you know, they had uh, scraped and clawed their way through their careers and, 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 and uh, had longevity, had everything that I wanted. And all I wanted to do was take in what these guys had, had learned over their careers. And, and, uh, I felt fortunate, really fortunate to be able to watch these guys my first year. And, and I credit a lot of them to me having the longevity I had because I just I sat and watched day to day talk about professionalism and how hard they worked and how they approached every workout, every drill, every the intensity. And I was just I was blown away by it. And, and uh, a lot of those guys ended up taking me under their wing. Uh, looking out for more, out for me, teaching me the the kind of the the way of the league. The it, it, you talk about overwhelming a kid from Thunder Bay on planes and hotels and dinner and, and in these buildings. It it was you know it was a lot, but uh, I you know to say one one player, it was that a, a group of those guys that really uh, they they showed me the right way, and I, I'm thankful for it because if I had come into a you know, a, a situation that uh, uh, maybe, you know, had a different dynamic. I'm sure it would have affected the, the course of my career. And, you know, I, I was fortunate to play with those guys. I was traded to Tampa uh, where I saw the other end of it, a team that was coming up and was able to, I think a special relationship that I had uh, was with Marty St. Louis, who we came into Tampa uh, and to watch a guy like that, uh, kind of have the world stacked against him and talk about a player that he just wasn't going to be denied to, to watch his process firsthand and to be friend with, friends with, you know, him and his wife and, and watching them deal with, you know, everybody saying you can't do it, you can't do it. And, and look what that guy went on to do, oh. and how, how he kicked the door down just because of his relentlessness, the way he played the game, the way he approached the game and what he ended up doing. It's, 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 uh, it was fascinating to see at the time how he how he just got in and then to where he went to. Again, there's another, you know, players want to dig into a player that had everybody tell him they couldn't do it for so long. And then to just not just do it, but be a Hall of Famer and Stanley Cup and it's Heart uh, Trophy. Heart, Heart I Ross. Mean, it's he, he ridiculous. Did it all. I yeah. can't believe you. I mean, I love the, I, I mean, I don't believe that I, my research while he wasn't good enough that, yeah, I mean, you were seeing him at a 40 point 78 game, Martin St. Louis coming off of his, uh, his stint with Calgary, where I know that they told him to his face that he would never play another game in the NHL. Oh, for, for sure. Them. And when he came to Tampa and, and he and I were new there together and, and I could just see it in his eyes. He was, he was like, well, yeah, here's here's another door I'm going to kick down and get a, and he got his opportunity and and you know he was healthy scratched and and he was just patient and and did his work and when he got it I remember you know those first bunch of goals that he scored when he got his opportunity I mean I almost fell off the bed I was just like oh my god he's here and uh, to see the look in his face and the happiness and the 
and like I say with him and his wife Heather and, and knowing the time and the, the resiliency that, that, that he had to have and the effort that went into that and then to see his career and obviously uh, I was traded back to, to Florida and, and missed uh, what I knew was going to happen around there, uh, what eventually happened, but it, you know, sad I missed that, uh, but obviously excited for, for that guy and the player and the person incredible person uh, uh as, as well as a player oh, that's, that's awesome sure. you know he's actually my the, he's in my top like my dream list of like guests like i never played with yeah. him right but i know a lot of, i didn't know you did though you, you yeah. i might have to really squeak grease the wheel here after this interview rj to get me hooked up <laughs> with him because i would love to i'd love to have him on i think he'd be everything i heard about him like you said as far yeah. as you know the adversity the journey um having to have the growth mindset the belief what he would have overcome to get to those spots i heard he was just like a just a beast when it came to working out and his approach away from oh, the rink and you yeah. mean all that stuff i just think that he would be such a such a great guy to talk to but and uh, that's why i say there's an example of a, of a guy that you know he didn't worry about what people thought of him he just did the work and he knew he was prepared when he got his chance and when he got his he the door opened for him and look what happened you know do you and and this is you spoke about how you recognized early that you needed to be something else to be in the nhl do you feel, and here's a candid question, um, do you feel that you might have pigeonholed yourself in that role that didn't allow you to become something else other than what, how you arrived on the scene? Uh, maybe a, maybe a, a touch, but I, I will say this with a, with, a, with a side of realism too, and, or you know, I don't have regrets or anything like that, but I, I became such a gym rat that I was so over conditioned to play the game in the sense of like, I, I, I mean, I, I was so over prepared from my, my off ice is that I, I wish I had spent, and it was just maybe the era too. We came in, like I said, it, everything then had transformed into, it, it was almost more of you came into to training camp, you tested and if you were like, yeah. this guy's unbelievable. And it's like, yeah. he hasn't touched the ice yet, but he's unbelievable. <laughs> right. And I, and I probably went overboard with that of, and again, that was my, like I talked to you about my mental preparation is that, yeah. I mean, uh, I was in the gym so much and the were and, and, and people would show up at eight o'clock and go for lunch at one and still see my car there and be like, what, you know, what can you still be doing in there? But it, it I think it obviously it, it did help me, but I should have been on the, I mean, the 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 qualities of my game the you know hockey sense my skating uh was always is is as good as anybody's but uh the small area play the the playing through traffic the skill work in traffic the below the dots the puck protection the in and out of you know that stuff i should have been working on and that i think would have evolved my game further and and right. i think you know, people can say, oh, I got pigeonholed as this. I, I think I did. I, I pigeonholed myself in a little bit that I, I wish I would have spent more time uh, on the ice working on my shot, working on, like I said, the, the agility, the small area play, all those things. I think it, it would have evolved my game further than, than, than what I was. But I also knew right. when I broke into the I, league, I had to try to – I ran over everything that moved. Like, I mean, that was yeah. what I became. That wasn't me, but I became yeah. a guy that I hunted people because that's how I felt I needed to get in. And I had to lay people out. I had to play that style yeah. of game to, to, to stay there, you know? Yeah. 
That's awesome. I mean, what an amazing career too. Seven hundred games, and obviously, not an ounce of me is 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 uh, saying asking that question with any disrespect at all. Like, I mean, that's no, that's uh, that's amazing. One of the reasons I asked though too is because I mean Tom Laidlaw came to mind. Obviously, showing up here on on the chat and 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 wishing you well. In our interview, he said, "I mean, he was captain of the of the Rangers, right? Uh, or, or no, assistant, I think, and uh, a leader everywhere he went, respect within the league, ten year pro." And one of the things he said is like, "You know what?" He goes, "I wish I would have reached higher." He goes, "Like my whole thing was like how to get to the NHL and how to stay." Yeah. And he's like, yeah. "And I did that, but he's like, I never thought, you know." can I be the best or what, where can I get to, you know? And he was like, if I have any regrets or reflection, he goes, I just would have held a higher standard for myself about where maybe I could have got to, because I was kind of end up getting comfortable with just being in the NHL. Yeah. And that's where I was given opportunities at times to move up the lineup. And I think my preparation didn't give me the confidence to, to get there and stay there. I had stints playing, you know, playing up the lineup. I played in matchups, playing against teams, top lines and, but um, I think had my preparation been different and what I worked on day to day, especially in the off season, as opposed to four hours in the gym and being the, I think I would have had the confidence to, 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 to move up more. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, and I, I don't say that with any disrespect to myself or my career, but it's the reality of it. And, and yeah. I, I've said that to people uh, around is that I should have spent more time on the ice less time in the gym because i i should have been evolving my game in those areas as opposed to being satisfied this is what i am uh, but i'm going to be the strongest and most explosive <laughs> sob out there, you know yeah. so it, it can i can be- relate to that i can relate to that i think we were a product of our environment too like you said you mean like there was so much emphasis put on that on that fitness testing i'm sure there is now too but i mean that was that was really where i don't remember shooting one puck in the summer ever yeah, I mean, it's just even sure. thinking about that. I mean, I I remember being in the gym. I remember a pool of sweat being on my stationary bike in my basement, you know, with no one watching, like just going through the grind yeah. um, and making sure I came to camp in good shape. But I don't remember working on my hands or working on my shot or, you know, consciously trying to develop those those skill area things. We were just, yeah. I mean, I was wired with trying to be in the best shape I could be. That, that was what, uh, I, what I was trying to do. I would have now. I would have, I would have found the best guys and I would have moved there and I would have worked three months on ice with them and, and evolved my game. I mean, that's, but that, that just wasn't the, I guess the mentality or even were the resources around then to, to do that. You know, that's, that's the, the, the crazy part, but. When was, um, Oh, we'll wrap up. I, I knew, I mean, RJ, God, we could probably spend a weekend together no, in some long lost cabin and, and, uh, and you're roll good. forever. Um, but, uh, you know, ad- adversity is an interesting thing for anyone. I mean, whether it's in business, whether you're a student, whether you're an athlete, um, it's going to come, you're right. It, it's coming at some point. So something's going to happen and how, how we get through it um, really defines sometimes careers, sometimes professions, yep. you know, uh, when, when do you remember going through something um, like your biggest kind of bout with it as a pro and, and what was that if you'd care to share and, and how did you work, work on getting through it? Um, I think I know you had a couple big injuries. Like, was it was it tough to come back from any of those? Or I mean, I didn't know you yeah. weren't really in the minors much. I didn't know what what your answer would be on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest uh, is I had I had a lengthy concussion in Florida where I was kind of told, uh, you know, that that could be it. Um, and 
you know, that was, I was still young enough, I think, and still naive that I felt, well, you know, I, I can do anything. I'll come back from this. And I had a coach at the time that was like, you know, you're, you're done. And I had to come back following training camp and run around like an idiot and, and show that, you know, my head, my head was fine. Um, you know, I think I've had a few different injuries. I, I think my mentality was I, I'll always, I'll work, I'll work my way through it. I think, uh, maybe one of the biggest was losing my dad. I mean, the, I, I leaned on him so incredibly much as just a, as a friend and as, as, uh, that I, I truly felt at that point is like, it, it was a reminder of that. I, I was still playing the game because I loved it for myself and that, you know, but I had moments of thinking my dad's not going to be watching my dad's like, do I have the fight? Was I playing for my dad or was I playing for me? You know, and it, and it was, I think a time I had to, you know, even uh, I was, you know, almost 30 years old and, but I felt like a boy all of a sudden, you know, they say you really, you know, you become a man when you lose your dad. And even at that point, and I was a free agent and going to Vancouver and it's new environment. And there were moments where I was like, how, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? You know? And, and uh, I think it, it, like I said, it was a stark reminder that all this work and everything that I'd done and the sacrifices and as much as I, I loved, he enjoyed it. It was, I was doing it for me, you know, and, and, and I loved the game and I loved uh, what it, it had given me so much, uh, even to that point that, uh, you know, it took me some time and I, and I wish I probably would have talked about it more. I, I should have talked to somebody at the time. I, I, I uh, struggled for a little bit early on just with my play and kind of sorting through all that. But I think uh, when it came back to it, it was, uh, again, I talk about the love part of it. I, 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 uh, I loved the game. I loved going to the rink. I loved what I represented. I loved what I was a part of. I, I loved making my family proud. And even though my dad wasn't there, I was still making them proud. And, and it, it picked me back up. It, it just took me some time to, to kind of work through it. And I think, even that uh, uh, article that you mentioned, I think that was like almost therapy for me. It was, I needed to put that out there to kind of say, all right, you know, I, I'm back here. I can, I can get going. And, and so it's, uh, you know, it, 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 there were so many moments of, of adversity when, uh, uh, when you think back and look at when you, you, you look back on it, but uh, you know, that's something that, that sticks out that may not be typical of a player thinking, sure. Oh, I went at tails, but it, it was something uh, a huge part of my life that it took some working through, but uh, yeah, it's different for everybody. Um, yeah. You know what what those moments are. Uh, just looking at the comments here, jo- Joey Tedarenko says, "Great stuff, boys." Uh, Hugh Hamilton, <laughs> Hugh Hamilton says, "Nice oh, to see geez. you two together." So uh, uh, there's there some names some from the names. past. Eh? Oh man, yeah. that's funny. Isn't good that awesome? Peop- good people. So great, right? Sure. Like just yeah. the name can bring a smile to your face for sure, right? And I mean, yeah. One of the things with this awesome sport, and I know it, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be hockey and it's, it's different things for different people, but you know, uh, I know I, I owe a ton of friendships and a ton of relationships and a ton of, you know, this house for, I mean, everything, pretty much everything I got that means anything to me is, is from hockey. And, uh, and, uh, it's a, it's a special thing that we got here and, and I'm glad we're able to kind of celebrate it and, and give it the respect that it deserves and talk about it in a way that, 
you know, I don't think we really had that education growing up. Well, maybe you did a little bit more than me because you were around your brothers and around your father yeah. and you were seeing it, you know, but, uh, but I know I, I, I learned a lot as, as I went, you know, and, and from the sport, you know, and from the people that, that were around it. And, um, uh, yeah, seeing, seeing Hugh's name there and Joey's name gives a, gives me a smile too. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the things you said in that article, I mean, I think it was in that article that there's some other stuff that I read here leading up to this, but, uh, you know, talking about adversity and, and also thinking about what David, David Quinn said was, uh, I mean, how people handle it. You I mean, and who are you when things aren't going well? Right. Because like, that's, yeah. that's almost a description of what character is. If we were going to break that down, I think, you know, cause everyone's a pretty good guy when things are going good. Right. You know, five game yeah. winning streak and you're scoring goals and you're nice to everybody. And, you know, that energy is obviously easy when things aren't going well and you haven't scored in two weeks and you've been sat out of the lineup three times and you know, life's not good. I mean, what are you doing then and how are you getting through it? And I thought yeah. that you, you had an interesting approach there about like looking across the room and seeing if you could help somebody else up. Um, is, is that something you still do? And when did you like, when did you have the, I don't know, the pragmatism, um, you know, the, the selflessness to, to take that approach to, uh, to a slump or to a downtime? Well, we, we've been in dress rooms since we've been how old, right? And we see, you see how players handle it or handle their successes. I, I mean, I, uh, my, my son's team won a little mini tournament last week and I wouldn't let them off the bench and they're all, they want to go celebrate. But uh, I was yelling at them, you go over and you celebrate this other team you just played and then you'll have your time. But I wanted them to, even as eight-year-olds, to think, man, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we can celebrate this other group and have a little bit of humility and, and maybe, you know, today was our day, but tomorrow night might not be our day. And uh, they, they weren't too happy about that. But, you know, as, as I think even into my pro career, so so many guys handle things so differently. And, and I think, uh, like I said to you, I've always been an observer and observer and watch people and how they, is that I felt, you know, guys could lose confidence very quickly of exuberance and, Hey, what a day. And, and there was a sense of, um, insincerity to guys that, uh, handled their successes in, in that type of way. And I felt uh, through my own, struggles or adversity and, and fate, having a couple tough games or is that if my energy could go into my teammates or even a staff member or something as opposed to the woe is me and I'm going to bury my head here so that everybody could see me not feeling good and then their energy get wasted on me that what, what if I if guys know I'm struggling but I come in and I'm asking them hey what a great play you made. like I know you're hung up on but you made a couple great plays all of a sudden, their shoulders was like, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" Like, what it was? How was he? And and all of a sudden, the energy of the room, you know, we've all been seeing the guy that's so happy he's got a goal the next day he doesn't, and it's you know he's bitching at the trainers and he needs this in a stall or needs this, just energy just crashes. So, I, I it's not easy to do, but I always felt that if I could if I could show how I could navigate through adversity, that maybe it would change the way other people thought about their own adversity and how maybe as a group we could work our way out of this as opposed to let me try to tailspin and everybody i mean nobody's right. going to get me out of that besides me so why not save them the time and energy i'll get myself out of this and see if i can't give some energy to, to somebody else that might need it in the room and odds are pretty good it's going to come back to me tenfold so yeah no great for you, know. you. that's uh 
those are wise words. And it's funny because like what I'm hearing there is actually two different, two, I mean, kind of two different philosophies, you know, uh, and they contradict each other. Like one being the accountability side, which I think we all have to have as, as professionals. You want to be the, but you have to have the accountability that I'm not a victim, right? I'm empowered to make it, to make my life different, right? So yep. it's on me to get myself out of this. Like I, I totally 100% believe that. Yet we're also saying on the other flip side that if we do focus our energy somewhere else, you can help someone else out. And we've we've all felt that before, right? So yep. it's interesting, right? Because you I mean we don't want to wait for someone to help us. We don't want to wait for that coach to say the magic thing and help us out, or some you know a teammate to walk across the room. But we do have a tremendous amount of power as teammates to help each other out for and sure. to give that guy maybe a little bit of confidence that he needs, you know. And and when we take the focus off of the woe is me and what's wrong with me, and our perspective is how can I help that energy of how I can help and how I can serve, it just changes, right? It changes what's happening in that room and even in yourself. Um, so that's one of the beautiful things about team sports and why I'm, yeah, I can't believe those guys that play tennis and golf and like, where else do you go? Yeah. Man, what else yeah. do you do? Right? Like we have the yeah. benefit of that, right? 19 other guys in that room that could use us in some way. And, um, and I think the, the earlier, uh, and the more mature we can be about that recognition and, and you speak so eloquently about that in an article, I mean, what a great gift and what a great lesson. So thank you for sharing that RJ. Um, I think we should wrap up and maybe just do part two in six months or something. I know there's, <laughs> I, I know there's a ton more we can get. Well, we didn't even get in. I mean, I, I like to keep this education. Like I want to talk about, you I mean, your role as you know, player development and how that even works with the, the director of amateur scouting and how that, how that relationship yeah. passes off. And like, there's so much good stuff that we can go yeah. with. Um, but I mean, whatever in the, in the, it is two hours and, and I need to go to the bathroom and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, and, and tame this wrestling match that's happening outside my <laughs> office right now. <laughs> so that's uh, life, right? Yeah, that's, that's life. life, man. That's yeah. life. But I mean, awesome guest. So great to catch up, buddy. Um, I really appreciate your time and, and, and we love watching what's going on with Vancouver. I, I like seeing the evolution of what's going on there. I know you're a big part of that. So thank you. Uh, thank you for being so gracious and, and, uh, showing the humility that you talked about earlier to, to come on and, and share some great stories with us and, and the guests here well i appreciate you having me on this was like i said feels like uh like we no time has passed at all we're still sitting in greensboro but uh i i i, I appreciate you having me on i appreciate the guests the comments and some of those names it's been uh that's uh that's it's it's great to hear those names that's for sure and anytime you want to do it again uh, i i appreciate and appreciate this format that you've created and I know a lot of people are, are benefiting uh, from it. That's for sure. Oh, so. Awesome, man. Yeah, well, I told my wife already. I said, well, we, there's more. Th there's way more than one reason now, but RJ is a big one that we're going to, we have to go to Nashville and we're going to have to spend a weekend at least and we'll go <laughs> visit Hammer Lamanowitz over there a little bit that's, north of you. That's and, right. And so, that's uh, right. That's, yeah. Once this COVID can go screw off and go away, I think we might, yeah. you might have a family of five rednecks coming right. down and, uh, and visiting you. <laughs> with, with open arms, my friend, with open arms. <laughs> sure. All right, buddy. Well, thanks again. Yep. Best of luck to you. Um, we'll be in touch. Thank and um, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Once again, if you want to be a part of the, the interview uh, next time, join Up My Hockey, um, the parent group, and uh, upmyhockey.com is, is where you find me. So thanks, RJ. Okay. Thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ryan, for being with us. If you're if you're listening, RJ, um, I know I sent you a text afterwards, but geez, that was just a real feel-good interview for me. I know you're I've always been an intelligent, insightful man. Um, always been a lot of fun to hang out with. Um, really enjoyed our time together and to get back, uh, you know, in front of each other. 
uh, and have a conversation of, of that magnitude and of that depth uh, really is something that serves me. I'm totally one of those uh, conversationalists. I'm not a dinner party guy that, that has the, hey, how you doing conversations, but when I can sit in front of somebody and ask questions and have, and have a good, real conversation that really uh, you know, fills me up. So thank you so much for taking the time. I hope others were filled up by this conversation. This is so much, so much stuff to take away. I mean, the fact that somebody like Tom Laidlaw, who he himself, you know, he has the the brand uh, True Grit Life. You know, a hardworking guy from the farm that, you know, got things done by the by the sweat of his brow and and you know the uh, the the dirt underneath his fingernails uh, to come on while we're having the while we're recording the show and to say, hey, RJ is one of my all-time favorite people, you know, and for Pete Worrell to come in and say, hey, uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite people and Hugh Hamilton to come in and say, hey, great to see you two guys. It's just, it's a testament to Ryan, you know, what he stands for, what he's about, um, you know, how he lit up during that conversation when talking about people that he's helped um, get to the next level. You know, he says he wants people to stand on his shoulders um, to get them to their own personal greatness and that he just gets off on that. And that's such an amazing thing to get off of. And I can totally relate to him in that. You know I mean, helping people be their best. I mean, I can't think of another another thing that is as gratifying, you know, to to see success, to be a part of greatness, to be a, to be a part of growth and development and 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 serve others um the way ryan is doing and and the way i am doing it it's just it, it's a really awesome space to be in so um you know this kind of stuff doesn't happen though if guys like ryan uh, who have a ton of things on their plate and and people to take care of if they don't take the time to share those stories with us uh if they don't take the time to share their experience and what they're passionate about and all the lessons they've learned from from you know playing the game and after the game you know we don't get it you know, we don't have the opportunity to know it. And then you're left trying to figure it out for yourself. And my gosh, we all know how that successful that is. Um, <laughs> obviously isn't, right? So anyways, RJ, thank you so much. Uh, everyone, again, thank you for tuning in. Hope you're really enjoying the pod. Uh, got a few awesome guests coming down the pipe. Uh, keep plugging these things out. Keep listening. Keep sharing. And until next time, play hard. Keep your head up.